Yeah, but a death save's not a saving throw. Are you certain? Yes. Can we can we grab that? Well, let's go to the monk. Well, think about the monk ability that gives you proficiency on all saving throws. Does that mean you get proficiency on your death save? Let's find the actual rule. You can look it. I'm googling. What's that from? It's Monty Python. That would explain why we both know it so well. Uh, death saving throws. Unlike other saving throw, this one isn't tied to any ability score. You have the hands of fate and features that include. Uh, you are in the hands of fate and aided only by spells and features that in ch- that improve your chances of succeeding on a saving throw. Holy shit! Yeah. Monks are fucking broken. It's, uh, dude, I, <laughs> I kept saying that last night. All right. Paladins are broken. Yeah, man. It's because all, they give their charisma kill, bonus to saving throws. You can't kill players above level like four. It's fucking impossible. Do you have any idea how hard I try to kill you? I give I give all of my things. Yes, I know you do, but I want you to know that I give everybody all of my monsters got max hit points. If they have the ability to teleport, I give them to that as a bonus to their act uh, to their movement. It doesn't cost them an action, and. I will uh, auto recharge if uh, if a recharge attack hasn't recharged within two rounds. So all the big stuff comes back. That is how I run my monsters. I homebrew it super deadly, and you guys still don't fucking drop. I've only ever killed one of you, and I've never pulled back. You guys cannot die. You've been on the raggedy brink more than once uh, without a healer in the party, but you haven't died. I mean, we're slinging around a lot of potions as well. Fifth Ed is the hero's game. Yeah, I'm with you. There's also the instant death rule, which I've never seen a table play with. Which is? Um, massive. It's death by massive damage. Massive damage can kill you instantly. Well, uh, when damage reduces you to zero hit points and there is damage remaining, you die if the remaining damage equals or exceeds your hit point maximum. Yeah, uh, the Wednesday night game that Charlie and Dave playing with Justin and Caitlin, they use that rule. And it's like been close a couple of times because they're level four. Yeah. So but, like, I mean, who gives a fuck when you're level 7 and above? Well, the thing is, if you get hit by... If you have two hit points and you get hit and you've got a maximum of 20... Nothing at CR7, at CR7 is going to do your maximum amount of hit points over your maximum amount to hit you. Unless they crit. Yeah, but that's still only double dice and you're playing with averages. I mean, it, it can happen technically, but it, yeah. it will rarely freaking happen. Okay. I would say that that's meant for falling out of airships. Um, anyway, let's continue. Hey everyone, welcome to a special episode of It's a Mimic. I am DM Adam, and with me this time is... DM Dan. Apparently I got in some trouble last time for recording specials in other people's houses when they weren't home or some nonsense. Yeah, I'm not letting you sneak into my house again. You didn't let me the first time. Well, now I'm actually observing. Or the second. Or the third. Anyway, no, that was just... That had nothing to do with the podcast. That was just for I'm my I'm still washing my hair from that. <laughs> You're welcome. Anyway, so here we are. Uh, we're looking at a new episode that's coming up. Uh, it's being released on Tuesday, as per usual. But this one that we're working on is about death and character death and dying. And I wanted to stop for a moment and talk about all the different ways... 
that you can stave off death. When you have a character that you love, that you've been playing for months, that you are incredibly passionate about, and you know you're going into something deadly. You're going into the heart of the, the Necromancer City, or you're going into the Dragon's Lair, and you have the opportunity to prep spells. What should you be looking for? This is a guide for players, specifically. We're only going to talk spells. We know that you get Lay on Hands for Paladins. Uh, sometimes a Monk can heal themselves. Clerics are fucky healing You got nonsense. Celestial Warlocks. You got Divine Soul Sorcerers. There's a There's million so different, different class. Traits. Yeah, yeah, the class features are, are, are through the roof with this. So we're going to focus solely on spells. We got a shit ton of them, but let me break down what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about healing spells, because if you are at zero hit points and you're making death saves and you get healed, bang, you're back up. We're going to talk about temporary hit points, which may stave off, drop into zero. Uh, we're going to talk about stabilizing, which is what you need to do when you are at zero hit points. But this will not necessarily bring you back up with hit points. It'll just stabilize you at zero. We're going to talk a little bit about divine intervention, uh, protection from undeath. So if your character dies and you're waiting on a resurrection, how do you keep them from being raised as a zombie by an enemy? We're going to talk about resurrection. And we're going to talk about undeath for the necromancers that are in your party that you want to raise another party member back up again. And then there are a handful of what I like to call fucky, fucky nonsense. nonsense. Fucky nonsense is all of those other ones that technically may work to restore hit points or stave off death in just a moment. But it uh, they're not necessarily the first thing you think of when it comes to uh, dispel. So we'll save that for the for the end. Uh, and let's uh, let's jump right into the, the beginning. Now we're going to go section by section. Dan and I are going to roll initiative to see um, who's going to talk about what. But get comfortable. We're in here talking about heels, and uh, it's it's pretty fun. I'm excited about this because we've got some some neat ideas. About yeah, it. yeah, for sure. All right, let's roll initiative. A three. I got a fourteen, so I'm going to go first. Uh, and the first thing that I'm going to bring up is cure wounds. We're going to start Cheater. with level well spe- uh, a level one spell, uh, and if this is the one that everyone goes, oh, it's a he- magical healing episode. They must be discussing cure fucking wounds. So not fucking. Never mind. Um, this is a first level evocation. It's available for bards, clerics, druids, paladins, and rangers. It's in the player's handbook, and it's very very simple. If you can touch a creature. It will get hit points back equal to 1d8 plus your spell casting modifier. It doesn't work on undead or constructs, which is going to be a constant theme through this entire episode. But it also scales. At higher spell slots, you add more d8s. Yeah. This is a standard everybody in the every party I've ever seen has access to cure wounds. Right. And even if it's through a wand or something like that, there's always some sort of use of cure wounds in a party. Yeah, there are two ways to, that people like standard uh, standardly heal, and it's cure wounds or healing potions. And this is this is it, right? Yeah. So one d eight is important as well because that's the basic standard hit die for any character, yeah. right? The majority of the characters have a d eight, um, and that's kind of the measuring stick. So while Barbarians are a little bit tougher and Cure Wounds isn't going to do as much or it's going to do a whole lot more for Sorcerers or Wizards, I like Cure Wounds because it's going to do the correct amount for your Clerics, your Rogues, your Warlocks, all your D8s, and, and there's lots of them. One common mistake I do see with Cure Wounds, it's it's a very simple spell, and it's and it's verbal and somatic components as well, like it's, it's typical spell level stuff. One, it is touch, so you do have to get close to them. 
And two, if you are increasing the level of it, you are only increasing it by a D8. You're not adding your spell ability modifier again either, yeah. which which I have seen some tables do. And that's a house rule I've seen, and I'm, I'm kind of okay with it, just because the healing in this game is... I don't know, man. You get your hit dice in a short rest. I'm yeah. okay with the healing level in this game. True, true. It's already um, skewed for the. But as uh, rules as written, you're getting an additional D8, and you're if you've got a four as your spellcasting modifier, you're still taking that four, right? So it'll just be two D8 plus four if you bump it up to a second level spell. Yep. So, okay. Next on the list is uh, we're going to talk about Goodberry. Uh, you'll probably note that we're going alphabetical here. Uh, well. Alphabetical, but also by uh, by spell level. By spell level, yeah. So, uh, Goodberry is a first level transmutation spell that is open to druids and rangers. Um, you could probably get access to it with other screwy means, but typically it's a druid or ranger spell. Uh, what it does is uh, up to 10 berries appear in your hand. Uh, you generate these 10 good berries. They are the best berries. They are the greatest berries. No, they're not great berries. They're only good. If they were great, they would, they would do two. Mm-hmm. Hit points, not one. Eating a berry increases uh, one hit point uh, worth of damage and uh, also provides enough nourishment for the day. So you don't need to eat and you get a hit point back per berry you get and they lose their potency after a day. See, I really like this for the sustenance more than the one hit point. While the one hit point is good for when you drop below zero and you're making death saves and they just ram a berry in your mouth and smash your jaw closed, yeah. bang, you're back up with, with one hit point. You're able to escape, which is fantastic. But this doesn't feel healy to me. Technically, you're gaining hit points, but this is not a game changer. Yeah. I, I do have a question. Uh, we are both uh, former Boy Scouts, so we should know this, but I'm not 100% sure. Are the berries that grow on mistletoe, are they poisonous? You're not supposed to eat those, right? Do not eat mistletoe. Okay. So this material component for Goodberry is a sprig of mistletoe, which leads me to believe you say the spell, you say the words, you do the action, and the berries will grow on this material component. You pick them off. And you in, in, them. in my head, they go from, from red to purple. Okay. Right. Cool. So there's, there's a physical thing that you can see, like there's a difference. To it, I like that there are ten to them as well. Yep. And this feels also really useful for when a whole whack of NPCs drop at once. You've got a bunch of uh, NPCs that you're escorting along a trail, and um, and there's an area of effect that hits them all. They're all making death saves. You've got to pick and choose what to do, and you just cast Goodberry, hand it out to the other players, and you can bring up to ten of them back. Yeah. Right. It's the it's one of the big strengths of Goodberry is you could just hand these out to your players and and your party members and your NPCs to eat when they whenever they need it, but it, they get this little one hit point buffer. I also that they carry with. Them. I also like that it has uh, like a expiry date after twenty four hours, it's gone, so you can't stockpile nine hundred of these. Right. So I don't know. I really like it. Next up is Healing Word. This is another first level evocation for bards, clerics, and druids. It's in the player's handbook. And the thing that I like about this, first and foremost, 60 foot range on a heal. That's madness. And additionally, it's a freaking bonus action to cast it. This is fantastic. And it's only verbal. I mean, it's right in the name Healing Word. But you don't need spell components for this if you can speak. You can cast this. I just see you like running by your party member who's sitting there like bleeding on the ground going, clot, bugger, and then keep going. <laughs> like the spell word is clot. <laughs> Don't fucking die. <laughs> right? But you got 1d4 plus your spell casting modifier. Now, I know that a lot of people are like, well, that's 
I would rather have the 1d8 with Cure Wounds. But Cure Wounds to me, because it takes an action, and it's it's uh, the 1d8, it feels more like a, a replacement for a hit die uh, when you're taking a short rest. Whereas Healing Word is very much about being in combat, right? You are using this on the fly. Uh, maybe you were literally flying when you cast it. Yeah, maybe. At higher levels, again, this is another one that uh, that stacks. So you add another D4 for each spell slot above the first level. Um, but I really, really, really love Healing Word for being able to bring someone back up. This isn't just about healing people. This is a, like the ace in the hole. When you're at higher levels, when you're level 9, when you're level 14, Cure Wounds is not... Is not keeping pace with everything else. No. But not. healing word may because of the range and because of the versatility. And remember, you can cast a spell and a, a first level spell and a cantrip if it's a bonus action on the same turn. Right? And because this is a first level spell, if you have an action that is a uh or that's a cantrip, yeah. then you can cast this, you get two spells, right? That's powerful. Yeah, so. if you're if you're playing that uh, like warlock uh, bard, you hit it with an eldritch blast and then heal your party member on a turn, and that's completely legit. Yeah. So, anyways, I really like healing word. What do we got next? Next, uh, we're we're bumping into our second level spells now, um, and we have healing spirit. This is found in Xanathar's, and it's open. It's a conjuration spell, and it's open to druids and rangers. Um, to be completely honest, this is the first I've heard of the spell. I don't see this one on tables a lot. This is one of the most powerful spells, and you're going to find out why here in a second. Oh, it's fantastic. So uh, as a bonus action, with verbal and somatic components 60 feet away, for up to a minute, you create a spirit that is uh, looks like some sort of transparent beast or fey, if you want, no matter what you want to do there. Uh, but it uh, appears in a five-foot square, and then any creature you see... When they move through it, you can cause it to heal them for 1d6 per caster level. Now, this takes concentration? It takes concentration, but it is a little, like, turnstile of healing for your party members. You set this up as your rogue is running around the uh, battle like a chicken with his head cut off. He just runs through this real quick, and you just go, yep, and he goes. This doesn't require an additional action on your turn. If they run through it, you just... It's, say yes. it's part of their movement. How much do they get back? They get 1d6, which isn't a lot. But well, hold on. Remember, you get 30 feet of movement. So if you're standing beside this thing, you can go in and out of that square three times on your turn. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing in the rules as written that says you cannot do that, which means you just got 3d6 healing for free, essentially. Yeah. There's no limit to the amount of healing this thing can uh, dish out as long as it's within that one minute timer. And if you need to move it, you could spend your bonus action to move it an additional 30 feet. Super powerful. Right? And then, on top of that, if you spend higher spell level slots, it's 2d6 each time. This thing is ridiculous. I love this spell. For second level? And it's a second level. Yeah. Yeah, this is... this. Here's, here's my complaint about power creep, and it didn't take us long. Xanathar's hits, and the spells go nuts. Yeah. Right? So, anyway... And honestly, for me, I would pick this up. It's also really flavorful if I'm a cleric and I also have spiritual guardians, uh, or spiritual guardian, as well as uh, what's the spirit guardians? What's the guardian of faith is yeah. what I'm thinking of. Uh, so, one of those might be a concentration spell. The, and then you couldn't do both of these at the same time. Right, but your flavor is that you are conjuring spirits. Yeah. And if you have Find Familiar and, and, and Find Steed and all that, you are just conjuring shit all the time to help you out from another realm. It's fun. I like the flavor. On yeah, this I really like it as well. 
All right, next up on the list is uh, prayer of healing. It's it, There's a common theme here, right? So uh, prayer of healing is uh, a second-level evocation. It's for clerics only, and it's in the player's handbook. This one is not an in-combat scenario because it takes 10 minutes to cast, but it is instantaneous once you cast it. Uh, all six creatures, uh, or up to six creatures of your choice, that you can see within 30 feet gain hit points equal to 2d8 plus your spellcasting modifier. Again, doesn't work in Undead and Constructs. And again, it, it stacks at higher as you blow higher spell slots, right? So this is another one where as you, know, you, you need a short rest, but everybody's blown to their hit dice or you don't have the hour to give. This is going to help boost that party up again yeah. to get through that final room in the dungeon. Yeah. Oh, and, and it should be noted if we haven't noted it before, a lot of these will not work on Undead or Constructs. Uh, yeah, but it, I'm, I'm going to say it out loud if it won't work, right? Yeah, like, so exactly. some of these, some of these, strangely enough, will work on Constructs. So if you're playing in Ebron, you have a Warforged, and it says, cannot be healed by regular magical means. Apparently, it fucking can, right? <laughs> so you you can you can heal the Modron NPC with this, right? Yeah, I, I, I'd give that to you. Um, if you listened to our episode about undeath and we talked about like someone having like a zombie plague i would oh, no, no, that wasn't our, that wasn't our undeath that was our zombies and skeletons. zombies and skeletons episode um i would say that this wouldn't work and this would be a, a hampering factor for that character if you're going down that route of trying to figure out how to cure this person's zombieism before it takes them over um, i would say that you regain the hit points but it doesn't cure the cure the disease Oh, I, I I wouldn't even give them the cure of the hit points. I would just... You, they have to come by other means to do it. You're just a nasty bastard, then. I, I tend towards it. All right, what do we got next? Next, we have Aura of Vitality. It is a paladin-only third-level evocation spell found in the player's handbook. Um, what it does... Um, I, I like the fact that it's got range. I like the fact that it's got range. It's got a 30-foot radius aura around you. It is an aura of vitality. <sighs> But it's 30 foot around you, which means you are covering a 60 foot bubble, which is amazing. But anyways, healing energy is going to uh, surround you inside of this thing. And until the spell ends, which is concentration up to a minute, you can use your bonus action to cause one creature in the aura to regain 2d6 hit points. I'm not a huge fan of this one. Um, because it is still taking up your bonus action every turn. But it's and an aura you can get with a 30-foot. Think of that. You can walk through a crowd and heal everybody. No, one person a turn. One person a turn? Uh, yeah. You can use your bonus action to cause one creature in the aura to regain 2d6. So one creature a turn gets 2d6. You have a spell that is a druid and uh, ranger spell that is two levels lower than this that can do as many as people walk through it. But this one, you have to spend your bonus action to give them 2d6. Well, that's that's the scaling the power creep problem with, with Xanathar's spells. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I still like this as just having it up for a bonus action. Yeah. Um, if your paladin, for whatever reason, is is boosting somebody else, yeah. right? If the rogue is flanking the enemy and the paladin's right up there and the rogue is the one that's being targeted, you can just... Without giving up your multi-attack uh, at, at level five or beyond. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. Yeah, you can. You're just giving this auto heal to someone else, uh, which it could be useful. It's, is it concentration? It is concentration yeah. for a minute. Yeah, and is third level, which means your paladin's not getting access to this until ninth level. 
Yeah, I don't know. It, you're right. It does seem weak. It does seem circumstantial. I'd rather have healing word for this to use your bonus. I action. find a lot of the paladin spells are interesting, but let's be completely honest. You're there you're spending for the smite. them smites. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, next on the list is one under Xanathar's. This one I like because it's a little bit bizarre. This is life transference. This is a third level necromancy spell. I love that a lot of the healing is a part of necromancy. Right, and you're gonna understand why here in a second. Um, so it's necromancy; it's for clerics and wizards. And you oh, can, yeah, and you can find it in Xanathar's. Okay, so it takes an action to cast. It's verbal and somatic. Your range is thirty feet, but you sacrifice some of your health to mend another creature's injuries. You take forty-eight necrotic damage, and then the person that that you choose within the range, as long as you can see them, regains an equal number of points times. Two. So forty-eight off the top of my head is about a twenty-ish, eighteen to twenty-two in that range. You're probably going to take that, um, which means they're going to regain somewhere between thirty-six and forty-four hit points. That's good for a, a wizard. Like I'm, I'm thinking, what kind of wizard is going to sacrifice their hit points, right? Because you have the smallest hit dice in the game. Your it, it, it's hard as a wizard to do that. But, it's, I mean, it's as the a wizard that's hiding behind the barbarian who's raging, and you just need to keep that barbarian up because he is literally your meat shield. Yeah. And if he drops, no matter how many hit points you have, you're fucked. Yeah, right? exactly. So yeah. and every hit point is worth two for a barbarian anyway when they're raging. So do it, yeah. Right, so I, I really like this spell, especially as a necromancer because usually you're battlefield control. So yep. you're, you're trying to figure out something else to use your actions for, and this is fantastic for that. Yeah, I like it as well. I mean, you look, you can get access to any spell through the bard, right? I like the idea of these back row um, casters who are beefing up. They're pumping the um, the front row meat shield, yeah. right? The high armor class. Right? And it's and it's wizard, which I love because this is the first healing spell that we've, we've seen bards who are arcane spellcasters get some access to healing. And that's cool. But this is the first time you have a wizard that can actually do some healing. I mean, it's going to take some negative on them to do it, but it's still like the first time we see a wizard doing healing. Yep. I, yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, what do we have next? Next, we have Mass Healing Word. Ooh, it's it's the same thing, but better. It's the same thing, but better. As a third level spell, as a bonus action within 60 feet and an only verbal component, um, your... Everybody don't fucking die. Your cleric only... Note that uh, Healing Word is bards and, and various other classes... Uh, this is clerics only, uh, gets to heal up to six creatures with the healing word as a bonus action. So it's not that you're doing more health, you're just hitting everybody yeah. with it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so you can up to six creatures of your choice and you still get the 1d4 plus your spellcasting modifier as a third level spell. And then every spell slot above, you add another d4. I, I like this. I, do you feel it's, I think this is on par for third level. This is on par for third level, especially third level cleric. Yeah, I like this. This is this is the uh, we've just finished an encounter and another one is flowing into this one. Let's just give a little bit of a boost to everybody and move on. So sorry, did you say that this this stacks you can cast at higher spell levels? Yes, it can. Okay, yeah. so at this point, I'm no longer prepping healing word. I'm just keeping this. Uh, maybe I would still prep Healing Word because Healing Word is one single target and it's a first level spell. I, and I, your third level spells as a cleric are going to be used for far greater things. Your spiritual probably. guardians, yeah. right? Your revivify. Yeah, so, so. I, would, I would still prep Healing Word because it's a good oh shit button. 
um, and you can increase the levels of it as well. But keep this one as well if you're expecting a lot of like chained fights. That's what I would do with this one. Yeah, when you're when you're doing the dungeon crawl. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, next on the docket is Aura of Life. Fourth level now. It's an abjuration. We're all over the spell schools on this, mm -hmm. right? Which I kind of like because everybody gets a little bit of healing. I mean, you're not going to get a whole bunch out of transmutation. Actually, we will later, but not not a whole bunch. Yep. But uh, but I really wish that the healing spells would have their own class, their own thing that they would have, so that the healers matter. Instead of just giving it to the every cleric gets this, or clerics of paladins or whatever, I really feel like there should be a spell school that that focuses on healing, and it should be the one that is a protection spell school. <coughs> That's abjuration? That is abjuration. So why is it evocations and necromancy as well? Uh, I kind of get it as well, because you yeah. want to spread the wealth amongst all the classes. I, so if you have your abjuration uh, right. wizard, he should be able to cast some healing spells. Right, spell. but I don't understand why. If you're going to do that, then shouldn't you be doing that with all your fire spells as well? Right, there needs to be a consistency to it. Um, a lot of the charm spells are spread out amongst different spell schools as well. You'd think that they would be inside um, enchantment, enchantment, but but they're not. They're kind of spread around. Anyway, not the point. Back to the point. Aura of life. <laughs> so it just takes one action. You cast it on yourself, but it's got a thirty foot radius because it's an aura. It's an aura, right? Again, concentration, but this one lasts up to ten minutes. Life preserving energy radiates from you in an aura. So, each non-hostile creature in the aura, including you, gets resistant to necrotic damage. And your hit point maximum can't be reduced. So, oh. yeah, that's really powerful. In addition, any non-hostile living creature regains one hit point when it starts its turn in the aura with zero hit points up to ten minutes. Which means that is... 10 around that that's up to 100 hit points for everybody but this also means that if you are within 60 feet of the pal if you're somewhere within this 30 foot radius of the paladin so yeah so it's a 60 foot a range. 60 foot bubble but if you're within this death saves don't matter to you you get that hit point yeah i mean you're going to be fighting a lot of undead things here so if you're dropped to zero hit points there's a lot of undead that say even if you're dropped to zero hit points you're dead and you come back next turn. What's interesting is it says a non-hostile living creature, which means if you drop a bad guy to zero hit points and for some reason they have death saves, they're back up with one hit point too because they're no longer hostile. They're unconscious. Okay, yeah. I guess. This is really good for if you want to take prisoners. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's that's where I'm coming from with this. Um, is this is a good where we're gonna get the prisoner? He's only gonna one. He's only gonna have one hit point. So that town guard or the bandit or whatever that you've taken prisoner is gonna be just shitting his pants, shaking yeah. his boots. Right. Well, it, and and the paladin would know that this spell could do that. So it would be a if you guys drop this one guy, the paladin knows he's gonna come up. So he's using his interaction on his turn to be like, hey rogue, hey barbarian, tie that guy up before the next turn because he will get up. Right, but it's any non-hostile living creature as well, which means that your manticore is coming back. Yeah. Right? This is this can be relatively dangerous depending on how the DM interprets this, so I would be very clear about it early, right? If the DM is prone to giving death saves to boss monsters or legendary monsters or whatever it is, um, then they may come back 
Yeah, and you may I, have another dragon's breath to deal with. I I would almost say, and I know you and I like to argue about stuff like this, but uh, I would almost say that even if you're unconscious, but you're still fighting the party for whatever reason, you're still hostile. You're just unconscious. So if you if the, the way I would put it is, if this thing's going to get up and then draw a sword and chase after the party, that thing's still hostile. No, it's hostile again, and this is where you and I would argue on yeah. this because I don't believe that you could be hostile while you were unconscious. And, I don't know. I've had some very angry sleeps before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but you're not hostile to the other person in the room. Just fucking snore. Just fucking snore. Can't reduce your hit point maximum. That reducing your hit point maximum is massive if you're fighting ghosts and oh, undeads and undead. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff. So anyway, there we go. That was Aura of Life. What, what do we have next? Next we have Mass Cure Wounds. Ooh. Um, this is a fifth level evocation for your bards, clerics, and druids bards get this which which i uh which i love um it is a one action 60 foot range um verbal and somatic components and what you do is all of those creatures within a 30 foot radius sphere centered on a point within 60 feet get to heal 3d8 plus your spellcasting modifier look that sounds like a lot but this costs a fifth level spell slot. It's a fifth level spell slot. So within 60 feet, you create a 30 foot bubble that will heal any creatures of your choice um, in uh, for 3d8 plus your spellcasting modifier. And this, of course, levels up as you spend more uh, spell slots. So sixth level, it would do 48. Seventh level would do 5d8, etc., etc. Um, and also has no effect on undead or constructs like other healing spells. So that one's fairly simple. Um, it's another up to six creatures thing. Yeah, it seems to be up to six creatures on a regular basis, which means I feel like they're saying, hey, you can heal your players, but not their mounts. Yeah, or or like choose the one animal companion that's the more important one or the one NPC, right? Because yeah, you've got you're, a party of five. You're going to get that familiar that scouts ahead, right? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing you're going to drop it on or that one NPC. Yeah. So um, what's next? What's next is heal. I, I wonder what this does. Hey, hey, does it heal? Fuck, you'd think that they should put it in the goddamn fucking name. Anyway, so <laughs> this is a six-level evocation. Another action to cast, range 60 feet. We're getting the range stuff now, but I mean, we're spending the six-level spell slot. And I feel like that's really the thing that we're, we're getting here with these higher levels is either more people or more range. The thing that I like about this one is you... Uh, choose a creature that you can see within the 60 feet, and it regains exactly 70 hit points. Massive. Yep, you're not rolling. This is not 48, and you rolled four ones, right? There's no spellcasting modifier involved here. 70 hit points. That's a weird number, but I'm sure it breaks down with what level you're getting it at and, and whatnot. So this one is it's only available for clerics and druids. You can find it in the player's handbook, uh, but my favorite thing about it is that it also ends blindness, deafness, and any diseases affecting the target. Doesn't work on constructs or undead, but you you essentially regrow your freaking eyeballs. So what level is this? Sixth. Sixth level. So you are level 11 when you're casting this one? Uh, that sounds right to me. Yeah. Um, which at level 
what level do paladins become immune to disease and monks become immune to disease? Around yeah, level 11, right? Yeah, it's it's around this point, give or take probably two or three. Yeah. This might be a 14th level for a subclass, but... Yeah, so so this is this is fairly on par for what you're getting at this level anyways. Yeah, my big thing is, again, it's, it's curing diseases, it's not curing poisons, and it's not removing curses. Right, but it is curing diseases. Disease doesn't show up enough in D anD D for it. Really doesn't. That's it. Your next character is getting gout. Um, my current character has gotten all sorts of things already. I yeah, but those are STDs, Dan, and you earned those. My next character is a paladin. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, what's interesting here is that you can cast this at higher spell slots, um, and you don't actually do more healing or or cure more effects. You just increase the range by ten feet. That's all it does. If you in- really, yeah, that's it. Now, I know that this is super powerful and it casts an action and that you may just want to be able to hit that guy that's 90 feet away. So you blow a ninth level. But we got better healings, better heals coming. This one, I would never spend the extra. You don't need to. No. No, I mean, unless you've run out of six level spell slots, you have to use an eighth or a seventh, right? But I don't know. Okay. There's going to be better options. Next on the list, we have a bard cleric druid. It seems to be the mix here. Yeah, I mean, paladins have it naturally, and and monks and some sorcerers have it occasionally, right? Barbarians and fighters can heal themselves only. Yep. So it makes sense that these are your ranged healers, as a general rule. Cool. Um, So we have Regenerate, which you will find in the player's handbook. This is one of the first out-of-combat heals that we've talked about. Um, It's got a minute-long casting time. Well, no, we, we've had a couple other... At a, uh, there's a 10-minute one yeah. before. Um, so it's verbal, somatic, and the material component is a prayer wheel and holy water, which are two items that do cost money, and uh, if you use them... What the fuck is a prayer wheel? Um, it, it, like a little spinning wheel thing. I, I understand that it is a wheel and wheels turn, but what the hell... How do you use a prayer wheel? Uh, different, uh, I know what I have absolutely no idea. Uh, that's it. Um, uh, we gotta look this shit up. Okay. We'll look it up. Um, while, while Adam takes a moment to look up what a prayer wheel does, I'll just keep on going for an hour. You can touch a creature. You're going to keep going for an hour. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So the duration of re- regenerate is one hour. And for that hour, you touch a creature and stimulate its natural healing ability. Um, so basically, you are hastening a creature's natural healing. Um, the target will regain 48 plus 15 hit points, which is a bit peculiar that it's specifically plus 15. Um, and for the duration of the spell, the target regains one hit point at the start of each of its turns, which is 10 hit points a minute. So you uh, get this one big buff, and then for an hour, this uh, player has a slow regenerate to it. Also, and Adam, you and I need to talk about this. There's not a lot of rules out there, like hard and fast rules for severing limbs in this game. But if you so lose a limb, it is part, uh, uh, you could use regenerate to bring it back. Yeah. One of the things that I want to point people to is uh, the rules for trolls, because you can lop um, limbs off of trolls, right? And they've got a pretty useful indicator of what you're, what you lose as an option, mm-hmm. if you lose a leg, did you know that you're only reduced to half your hit or uh, half your movement speed? 
That's it. That's the only negative thing. As someone who hasn't been able to use his leg very well for the past, you know, three weeks. Oh, but the, yeah, you they, should have should zero. More than that. Yeah, yeah, you should have zero healing speed. To, you know, maybe you move five feet around. Yeah. But yeah, that's it. You just lose that. And you're not even considered prone. You're technically still freaking standing. That's bizarre to me. It is bizarre. But anyway, so it's requires some homebrew. The way the regenerate works for regenerate um, is if... You don't have the limb. It takes two minutes to grow it back. If you do have the limb, you can um, place the severed part against the stump, wherever it got cut off of, and it is instantaneously knit back together. So if your fighter loses his arm and you bring it back to the campsite and you just stick his arm back on, you cast this seventh level spell and he his arm is perfectly fine instantly. Otherwise, he's deadpooling it for two minutes with his itty bitty baby legs or whatever. I like that. You know what? I feel like um, lizard folks should just be able to regenerate after one d ten days. Oh, I one hundred percent agree. Give that to give that to them. I also uh, think some forms of undead should just be able to have this knit back together thing. Like they'll just grab an arm off a battlefield if you lob off their arm, and they'll just stick it in the socket and keep going. Like, I, I, I think that's something that some undead should be able to do as well. Yep. Um, but I think the big power of this is it's not concentration. It's an hour long, and you get a hit point at the start of each of your turns. Um, so if you are about to go into a big battle, you can have your bard, your cleric, your druid cast this on your tank. Or cast this on himself, who's the healer, so that every turn he's up casting healing spells. Because how how badly do things go to hell and back when um, your healer drops early in a fight? Right? Uh, that that's so scary. You gotta get the healer back up and quickly. Right? So so that's what I would use this for. It's I'd say it's a little bit. Um, I'd say it's on par for about a seventh level spell. Like it, it fits for that level, in my opinion. Um, I've I've definitely heard complaints that regenerates maybe a little bit too underpowered for a seventh level spell slot. But I, I don't know. You, there's a permanent condition that somebody has where they've severed a limb or they've lost their eyes. Yeah. The fact that you can undo this. As a DM, for me, I want to add a sense of realism to these kind of wounds. There's special scenarios that, yeah. that happen. And I want it to have a lasting effect. I want the players to run in fear. This is this undermines that. Yeah. So, yeah, seventh level is about right for me. And you were saying that there are some... Good rules out there for severing limbs. Uh, Matt Coville wrote some, did he not? Was it Matt Coville? Uh, I think that he had some. I run my own rules as well, um, but I've known everyone to just kind of homebrew it. There are some rules yeah. that are available, rules is written, but they're, they don't make a whole lot of sense. So Fair enough. Um, I would also encourage, uh, and this is just something for me as a player I do enjoy, and as a DM I do enjoy crit tables. And nothing fits a crit table like dismemberment, right? So throw it in there. Yeah, but that's a 5%. All right, you know what? Yes, but. Um, anyway, a prayer wheel is a cylindrical wheel on a spindle made from wood, metal, stone, leather, or coarse cotton. There's um, a mantra that's written on the... Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Like okay, that's yeah. carved on the outside. But then there's there are scripts. There are mantras that are inside of it as well. Up to thousands or in a large prayer wheel, millions. And what you do is you essentially hold it against yourself or you spin the wheel. You touch it in some way and spin it. And all of that karma, all of that magic, it's a Buddhist thing, yeah. um, spins out and imbues you with this positivity. Cool. So, yeah. that, so it's actually, it looks a little bit like a mace. 
right? But it's not meant to be used. It, it, it would it, break. It's right? like a mace and a party noisemaker. Yeah, babies. <laughs> yeah, I, I would. I wouldn't give it a comedic factor. It no, no, be no. A I'm religious just saying, like, item, but yeah. So, and then I would assume like the holy water, you're pouring it over top of the prayer realizer going or whatever that mix is. But you do need both of these things to cast regenerate or pouring holy water over the wound that you need to regenerate. Yep. Right, let's move on to the next thing. Um, there is no eighth level heal. There is a ninth. There are two ninth level. The first one is mass heal. This is ninth level evocation. It's clerics only from the player's handbook. This is going to hit multiple people at range. You get 60 feet. Takes an action. But you get 60 feet uh, and a flood of healing energy flows from you into injured creatures around you. You restore up to 700 hit points. Oh, geez. Divided as you choose among any number of creatures that you can see within range, within 60 feet. Jeez. Creatures that are healed are also cured of all diseases, not just one at a time. All diseases and any effect making them blind or deaf. And again, doesn't work on undead or creatures mm -hmm. or on our constructs. But my God, Jesus, like this is, this is, this is your, this is your big old shit button. I mean, this is the same level you're getting wish. This is the same level. Like there's so much power here. You need a heal that can match it. It just blows my mind that you're running around casting this for multiple sessions in late game. It's, this is not a... Like, I wish that there was 10th level spells for this stuff to land. There's such a jump between 8th and 9th. And, and I wish that there was that half level so that you would get this at level 20. This is your big capstone spell that, boom, you are a god among men. There is lore for 10th, 11th, and 12th level I know spells, there is, but it's not but, It's not rules but as written. There's there's none in the rules as written. You can't be a level a 20 wizard casting a... 12th level spell unless you've done the research into it right yeah so uh but what, what do we have next next I mean, that on, one's pretty straightforward that one's pretty straightforward this one's even more straightforward it's power word heal um it is a other ninth level evocation spell it is open to just bards well it's power word right yeah. i like that that the bard is just like heal fucker right yeah and and what it does is quite amazing it uh the target which is uh one target with that you could touch it is a ranged touch spell with a verbal and somatic component they regain all of their hit points if they're charmed if they're frightened if they're paralyzed if they're stunned they're not anymore if they're prone they could use their reaction to stand up yeah this is just you're better yeah, it's okay. It's just, it's just, hey, get up. You're fine. And how many hit points do you get? All of them. All of them. Yeah, okay. I was, waiting, I, was waiting, to your max. I was waiting for you to say a number and like, no, just, just all. Yeah, yeah. Just, you, just the yes number of hit points. You regain all of its hit points. This is your barbarian. And I mean, you're casting this at level 20, right? Yeah. So your barbarian who's got 300 something hit points by level 20, you're just like, and you're fine. Mm hmm. Right? How this compares with uh, mass heal. Uh, I would say that the fact that Mass Heal can't bring you back if you're paralyzed, right? Yeah. This one is also, it feels like it has restoration magic involved in this as well, beyond blindness, deafness, and and the, the intangible concept of whatever the fuck disease is in D&D. &D, yeah. Right? So. Which we, we've heard that rant. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you'll hear it again, god damn it. <laughs> all right. So um I don't have any final thoughts. I mean that's just like a, oh, all right. Healing spells are healing spells, man. Like they're 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 I find a lot of people just focus on I've got cure wounds, I'm good. No, there's a lot that you could do. There's a lot of different varieties here. Go for it and actually look into these other spells for your characters, a, depending on your level. A right. lot of them are circumstantial. I mean, as if you are not inspired by cure wounds anymore, then then you need to look out. There are other options out there is the point of this entire um, episode. So the big thing is, remember, if you have zero hit points, you are making death saves. Any one of these affects you. Yeah. So uh, let's move on to temporary hit points. This is going to boost you up. Um, when, you, uh, when you're at zero, you can get bumped up. But it also um, at the duration of the spell, you lose those hit points. Again. Yeah, and you're back down to zero. So this is this is a band aid. You're not stopping the bleeding. You're just holding the the artery closed with your fingers, right? Yeah. So the first one, um, we're gonna roll for this one, right? Yep. We're gonna roll. We're now we're talking about temporary hit points. Let's roll for it. I rolled a seven. I got a nine. I'm going first again. All right. So hey, uh, the first one is uh, heroism. That is first level enchantment. Uh, it's for bards. And paladins. Hmm. You can find it in the PHP. Um, paladins, I find, are a lot of temporary hit points, whereas clerics are restoring hit points. Yep. Um, here's what it is. A willing creature, so they have to want it, and you have to be able to touch it. Yeah, that's right. I went there. <laughs> is imbued with bravery. So it can't be frightened. They're immune until the spell ends, which is concentration up to a minute. And they gain temporary hit points equal to your spellcasting ability modifier at the start of each of its turns. Yep. Love it. Up to a minute. So let's say that you have a plus four because you're well, a paladin. What, what you're, uh, this, so your spellcast modifier as a paladin is charisma. Yep. So let's say that you have a plus four. You just have built it early to, yep. to be a plus four. That means that they're getting four temporary hit points up to 40 temporary hit points if they if they if uh, if you keep your concentration for the minute. Right? Uh, well, really? Yeah. Because temporary hit points don't stack. Um. This one specifically says gains temporary hit points equal to your spellcasting ability modifier at the start of each of its turns. I would say the temporary hit points from different sources do not stack. This one is about consistent regaining the way that regeneration works. Um, I don't know. I might fight you on that one. Because, because it's a first level <laughs> spell and that seems pretty powerful. It seems very powerful to have 40 hit point bank. And the the book is fairly clear on where... Of, of how temporary hit points work, right? And you take the highest uh, number source whenever you're calculating your temporary hit points. So things like, we'll talk about them later, uh, aid and uh, heroism. Your aid is going to outlast your heroism, right? Um, just because you are you just get the four. So if you hit the four and you didn't get hit that turn and you still have the four, you're not getting another four. You're just at the four. Okay. That's the way I would run this. All right. Right? And that feels on par for a first level spell as well. I'd be really clear with your DM about this before you pick it up going, oh my God, this is fantastic. Yeah. You need to, this is definitely part of your session zero you talk to your, or not even session zero. Just pull your DM aside and be like, hey, exactly how does this work? Based on the rules of temporary hit points, they do not stack. So you got to take, if you've got the four, you got the four. If you took two points of damage because you got stung by something... You go back up to four. You go back up to that four. All right. So here's the other cool thing about it is at higher levels, you can blow more, like higher spell slots for this, right? So what you can do is you can add more creatures to get this. I like that. Yeah. So yeah. you're not increasing the number. It's always 
four, but there we go. Cool. Uh, next on the list is a second letter, uh, level abjuration spell that is available to clerics and paladins. Um, this one's a pretty straightforward. A lot of people. This is, this is one of the more famous temporary yeah. hit points. This one is aid, and I love it. Aw. Um, so, uh, second level abjuration, like I said, it's got an action as a casting time. Um, range 30 foot. Uh, it's verbal, somatic, and you got to have a tiny little piece of white cloth. My thing is, my thing is like it's like a band aid. You have a piece of gauze with you. I would say a bandage, not yeah, a band band aid. Bandage, yeah. You got some gauze with you, um, and then its duration is eight hours. Huh. Not concentration. Eight hours. Jeebus. Um, I know some warlocks get access to this, and it's fantastic as one of their spells that they blow their spell slot on, then they hit their short rest, and they still have the effect. I love it. Um, so what this spell does is it, uh, boosts your party's hit point maximum by five for the duration. So hold on, the party's hit point maximum, so the whole party gets five? And their current hit points by five. So, hold on, each member in the party gets a Up plus to five? three. Up to three members. Yeah. No, hold my question is, that five, are you splitting it amongst three members, or do nope. they each get five? Each target's hit point maximum and current hit points increase by five. Okay. So this isn't temporary hit points. This is increasing your maximum and current hit point level. For a short period of time. Eight hours. Okay, that's still a short period of time. Yeah. You are not, this is not a permanent increase, therefore it is a temporary hit point. Yeah, fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, at eight, uh, with higher levels, if you use a higher level spell... Uh, you get to increase that total by five for every spell slot above second. So if you're hitting them with a third level aid, you're hitting them with 10 as an increase to their uh, maximum hit points. And uh, that, of course, fills up when you hit it, right? Yep. Uh, which means heroism and aid would stack. Yep. Is, is the way I'd rule it because it is a temporary hit point, but it is not temporary hit points the rule, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the hit points leave eventually, but it increases your maximum. Which means uh, for a heroism spell, you get your four on top of that. You could be rocking around with, you know, plus nine hit points to your character. And every turn they get initial four. Yeah. Um, if they lose some. So it, it's for eight hours, your party has plus five hit points to their max. Cool. I love it. All right. So the next one, I'm going to drop a knowledge bomb on you, Dan. I don't think you know this one. This is from Xanathar's. It's Guardian of Nature. This is a fourth level transmutation only available to druids and rangers. And it's weird. And a lot of Xanathar spells are weird. Yeah, but it's weird in a good way. First of all, only bonus action and only verbal. What? Yep. Okay. As a fourth level transmutation. Bonus action, fourth level spell. Yep. Yikes. It takes concentration and it can last up to a minute. But here's the thing. A nature spirit answers your call and transforms you into a powerful guardian. You uh, are... You, you keep this transformation until the spell ends. You choose one of the following forms. Primal Beast or Great Tree. Primal Beast, fur covers your body and your facial features become feral. And so I'm just going to blow through this because this is not the healing stuff. Yeah. Your walking speed increases by 10. You Next. get 120 dark vision. Uh, your, your, any strength-based thing uh, attack is with advantage. Your melee weapon attacks deal an extra 1d6 force damage on a hit. But Great Tree is your skin appears barky, leaves sprout from your hair, and you gain uh, the following four things. You get 10 temporary hit points. Okay. You make constitution saving throws with advantage. Okay. Every con save. You make dex and wisdom-based attack rolls with advantage. 
That's powerful for rangers and druids, right? Yeah. And while you are on the ground, the ground within 15 feet of you is difficult terrain for your enemies. Specifically for your enemies, not for your friends. What level is this? This is a fourth level transmutation. Yikes. Bonus action. Concentration up to a minute. Here's the thing about it with the temporary hit points, though. If you are hurting and you are a, you drop to zero, all of this shit goes away. Mm-hmm. You cannot cast this or have it cast upon you to get those temporary hit points to bring you back up. Yeah, this is target self, right? You absolutely 100% have to be conscious. Yes, you're targeting yourself. No one else can cast this upon you. Yeah. So here is my, just as a brief aside, here's one of my favorite homebrew rules that I would love to inject into my game. If you are at zero hit points, you can choose to remain conscious and get your full turn uh, or sorry, and get your movement and action only. You don't get bonus action or reaction with this because yeah. you're, you're at zero hit points. Uh, and you get, um, but you automatically lose a death save. So this is that last heroic push of, I'm still up and I'm still fighting and here we go. Right? And so you're still in combat. So you automatically lose one. And chances are you're in battle, so they're going to hit you and you're going to lose another one. Right? I really like that idea of the heroic push through. <coughs> Uh, yeah. I mean, there are so many ways to stand back up after you've been knocked down uh, in in this game, whether through class features or through race features for something like Half-Orc, right? There's so many ways to do it. Um, I don't see the squirrely little uh, druid or ranger doing this, like having that like heroic, right? I, I don't know. I, I the, the other thing that uh, that I, it's an interesting rule. Like I, I, I'd be interested to see how it actually plays out. I would say maybe uh, okay. So this is a homebrew rule that I saw in an actual play, right? That they were playing with, and the way that I saw it run, maybe maybe the ruling is a little different. The guy sacrificed himself for three rounds and died. Maybe you can choose to sacrifice your character, but still act for the last three rounds. Get eighteen more seconds of life, but you are going to die. You, yeah, you but, give I mean, up your life to save the, the I mean, the burning tavern, right? Yeah, it's got a bit of a you know dramatic heroic moment to I, it. You give, so, you give uh, the player I'm, the option to go I'm, up with a I'm, bang. I'm down. I'm, I'm interested to see how it is. I would give them an action and half movement. Yeah, because because you're you're blur, right. But at the same time, we've also discussed about having like the bloodied condition in our games as yep. well, and how that mechanically would work. We'd have to iron out as well. So uh, I think if I'm bringing in bloodied, I'd bring in this. Yeah, right. Anyway, so for Guardian of Nature, this is not going to keep you from uh, from. Or this is going to stabilize you while you're already down. It's got to bring you back up, okay. right? So or uh, you have to have this before. Hand, yeah, my point. fair enough. So. Um, another prep, and this is the next spell on our list, is a spell that every single high-level party um, should start their delve into a dungeon with. This is how you begin every single little next leg of your adventure, is with a hero's feast. Um, it is a sixth-level conjuration spell that takes ten minutes to cast. Um it's range is 30 feet, but really this, this is, doesn't really This matter. is cleric and druid only, This right? is cleric and druid only. Uh, no. Um, yes, cleric and druid only for this. Um, but the big thing that this costs, and a lot of people go over this, is a gem-encrusted bowl worth a thousand gold that the spell consumes. It says within the spell there that it actually consumes that bowl. When it starts to get specific like that, I don't give a shit about your sprig of berries. I'm just going to assume you have that nonsense. But when you want to start using Hero's Feast, 
you need to go to town and get one of these bulls. Exactly. Right. And right? so this is. And if you're in Podunk nowhere, where are they going to have a thousand gold bull? Yeah. So right. Anyway, so, like this has got to be a this got to be a get. But it's sixth level, so I mean you've got teleportation magic at this point. Go get a bowl. Um, and what it does is it brings forth a great feast. I love I love the phrasing of that. Um, and it takes basically you create this meal that takes an hour to consume. It's a bucket of KFC, <coughs> but like good KFC, the kind that you're not going to be sitting on the <laughs> other kind of bucket for a couple hours. I, I, I'm sorry, there's a good KFC. Uh, if you've got. It, I don't know. It's better than Popeyes. You are fucking wrong. <laughs> I know I am. All right, hold on. We're going to pause this while I beat the shit out of Dan. <laughs> and we're back. I love Popeyes. Popeyes is the shit. Sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, back to Heroes Feast. What it lets you do is uh, any creature that partakes in the feast is cured of all diseases and poison. Of course. Of course. Um, they become immune to poison and frightened. For how long? Um, uh, the next 24 hours. Yeah, all right. You know, honestly, everything at, at this level is going to have some sort of frighten uh, effect to it anyway. Like a lot of your, your dragons and shit are going to have frightful presence. Yep. So I'm okay with this. Um, you get advantage on all wisdom saving throws for the next 24 hours. Anyone who partakes this feat. Good God. Okay. Yep. So it just turns you into a freaking druid or a monk. And um, you increase the hit point maximum of whoever eats this feast by 2d10 for uh, for 24 hours. I'm okay with that because there's going to be that poor bastard that rolls two ones. Now, I have a question for you, Adam. A rules question. Yep. Do aid and hero's feast stack? No. Why not? Temporary hit points don't stack. Temporary hit points don't stack, but these aren't temporary hit points. These are increasing your hit point maximum. <sighs> Look, this is in the wording of another one as well. Just because they're not using the word temporary hit points does not mean that these are not temporary hit points. Right? So, well, temporary hit points go above your maximum. That's what they say. These are actually increasing your maximum. Uh, okay, you're, you're splitting hairs. You, you get all fucking sorts of pedantic when I start talking about whether or not poison is toxin or venom. And you're like, well, no, they're all separate. Then these are separate. We're, we're both getting equally pedantic on that one, oh. let's be honest, right? But like, it, it's... it's No, just you, you dick. But no, no, it's just both of us. Yeah, fuck I will you. fight you again. Here we go. <laughs> that went a little bit better for me that time. I don't like you anymore. Anyways, so... Uh, I don't know, man. I would rule that they stack. Because um, it's not actually temporary hit points if it said it was temporary hit points they would say temporary hit points it's temporary by the nature of the spell but it's basically just increasing your maximum hit points which means you are running as business as usual with just a higher hit point total right so i would say aid and heroes feast stack all right and i would say that when a snake bites you it's toxin based on the nature of the creature not poison but there you go but there's no toxin rules in the game right so what they do is they just have to <laughs> They call it poison damage, and then they call out poison conditions and poison resistance and poison immunity, not poison. So when they say poison, it's got to be a different thing. What's the same way that this is a different thing from temporary hit points. Fair enough. You're either all or nothing on this. You can't pick and choose the shit that you like. All right, let's jump into stabilizing then. All right. All right, because this is the one where, I mean, everyone's already looking at Spare the Dying, right? But when you're down, when you're making those death saves, what spells are going to help you? 
get back up or at least not bleed out in the yeah. middle of a battlefield. Do we want to go over what we just learned about death saves? Uh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. So I was wrong. Uh, oh God. I mean, that just, that turns me on, Dan. Yeah. I love hearing I that. was so wrong, Adam. So, oh. <laughs> Speaking of things that are so wrong. So wrong. This conversation. Anyways, um, I had always thought the D20 roll on a death save was its own thing. You, there's no modifiers that could affect it. There's nothing that could... Well, it's written right into it that it's not tied to a stat, right? It's not so tied you're to not a stat. getting a modifier yeah. right off the bat. So your advantage on con saves, which it used to be in the past, yeah. right? When you had a bonus to a con save, that would be a bonus to a death save. But death saves are still saving throws. So anything in this game, and, and this is in the rules, anything in this game that affects a saving throw, a generic saving throw. No, not anything. It specifically says only spells and features. Therefore, not items. Fair enough, yeah. Um, but so things like bless, which will give you D four, you could add that D four to your D uh, your D twenty roll on a death save. Yeah, yeah, and, and we'll awesome. go through. That's what we're doing right yeah. now is for the stabilization. What is going to help you with a death save? Yeah, yeah, it, it's great. So let's roll for it. I got a seventeen. I got a sixteen. Suck a bitch. All right, so we're going to tell talk- me to suck a bitch. No, I said you should suck it, bitch. I was titling you as a bitch. It's just cruel and un- uncalled for, Dan. Well, no, it takes one to no one. Anyways, uh... It takes an unkind word to... No, it takes an unkind bitch to so see you're, an you're, bitch. So you're saying that you're a bitch, too? Is that what you're... Well, yeah, fairly. Yeah. I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, because you're a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Spare the dying. Necromancy crant... That's what you get, bitch. It's a necromancy fuck. <laughs> Why are we friends? Uh, are we? Like, shit. I think we're just polite adversaries. <laughs> <laughs> or we're just two cowards who hate each other. I don't know. Anyways, so uh, Spare the Dying is a necromancy cantrip um, that is available to clerics. Period. Period. Just clerics. You can find it in the PHB, though, right? Uh, yeah, and there are, like we mentioned earlier, there are some ways to get it with other classes, but clerics are the only ones that get it. Um, but get it standard anyway. And get it standard. Uh, it is a one action casting time with a range of touch, verbal somatic components. Um, and what you do is you touch a living creature that has zero hit points and you stabilize it. No more death saves for you. You're good. You don't um, get one hit point. You are not conscious. You're not back up on your feet. You are just no longer dying. dying. Yeah. Um, and has no effect on undead and constructs. So yeah. I mean, that makes sense. That makes sense. Sp- spare the dying, not spare the already dead or lifeless. Yeah. Right? So, now, I mean, this is the only cantrip we're talking about today. Really? The only yeah, one? That's the only one. There's no spell. There's no cantrip that gives healing. And there's... No, yeah, what? what? Because of what we learned about saves, I would argue that guidance is something we should mention as well. Interesting. And resistance, to be honest. Okay, so what's the thing about Spare the Dying that is so freaking overpowered? It has a bad reputation amongst DMs. Yeah, it's it's a it's a uh, pause button for a character's death. Right, but do you have to be right up to them? Yeah, you gotta touch them. Right, so the reason the dying. So the reason that guidance that it is not applying to die to, to guidance is that guidance is on ability checks. Okay, cool. Uh, what about resistance? 
You, yeah, but you're resistant to uh, like a certain kind of. Um... No, no, no. Uh, the res- the cantrip resistance specifically. What it does is you t- touch a willing creature, and uh, they can add a d4 and add the number rolled to one saving throw of its choice. Okay. This would apply to death saving throws. I would argue that that you. Just as you are not hostile when you are unconscious, you are not willing when you are unconscious. You do not give permission for this. The, look, this comes down to the fact that you're not allowed to give CPR to someone, or you can be sued if you give CPR to someone that is unconscious and they don't want it. Here's another way. I, I see what you're saying, and, and I could also argue for that same point that uh, the target then decides when to give the D4, and if you're unconscious, you're not deciding a damn thing. Yeah. So I, I can understand that. So I don't include resistance in this. This is, Spare the Dying is meant to, to stabilize you, and that's it. Yeah. Now, if you run the rules where that we talked about before, where you're conscious but still making death saving throws, then this yes. is a different this is a yeah. different factor. Yeah. So um, okay, I don't really have anything else to say about Spare the Dying. Neither do I. Um, and the only reason why I brought up the other stuff is because I'm looking forward to the next one, which is. Bless, yes. It is a first-level enchantment that is only available to clerics and paladins. It's available in the player's handbook, and uh, it's got a 30-foot range, concentration up to a minute, and it costs an action, but you can hit three creatures at once with this. If the majority of your party goes down all at once, you can bless three people, and they get to add a D4 to any roll, to any save. Right, any um, attack roll, which doesn't apply here, or saving throw. This is a saving throw. It does count, which means you are giving people not advantage; you're giving them an advantage to get back up. Yeah, right? and the reason, why, and this is different from resistance because it is a external gift given to somebody on all of their rolls, not a um, ability that then they spend. Yeah. So the other thing too is that you can cast this at higher levels where you add more creatures, right? Yeah. So um, I there's nothing here about you can't do it to undead or constructs because this is bless. I'm assuming that it's divine intervention, right? That's what we're talking about here. And be, because there's gods involved, you, this just works, right? They just get it. There's no choosing it. There's no, oh, well, it's technically... Uh, a zombie, so he's it's not going to get... No, the god says, yes, get the fuck back up. Right? Exactly, yeah. So, what do we have next, Dan? Next, we have Warding Bond. Warding Bond is a second-level second, second level abjuration spell that is for, shocker, clerics. Just clerics. Um, Most of this is clerics. Yeah, it's got a uh, range of touch. It's an action to cast. It Every time is, that you say it's got a range of touch, it makes me twitch because it's just a terrible... Like, grammatic phrase. So, like, I understand that you have to touch someone is yeah. the point, but fuck. Um, it has... <laughs> but, it, fuck. It, but fuck. But um, fuck. It has verbal, somatic, and a material component of a pair of platinum rings worth at least 50 gold each. This is just flavor shit to me. It's just flavor I shit. Don't, I don't give a crap, man. This is this is second level abjuration. But the thing is, it you, you connect yourself to another person. So it's like, you're wearing one ring, they're wearing the other ring, and that is the source of the magic. That is where the connection point Right, but rests. me as a DM is not going to sit there and be like, oh yeah, where are your rings? You didn't go to a store to get your rings. Man, if you chose the spell, you got it. Right? This uh, is, I don't know. It, it, 50 is, gold is a bit... It, it's If it's 10 gold, I'm with you 100%. 50 gold, even as a second level spell, is a significant enough purchase for most parties. Now, you also kind of have that Call of Cthulhu style of running wealth, where 
if your characters are a certain level, you just kind of assume they can afford a certain level of things, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of DMs don't do that, and they actually make their party members calculate how much gold they're spending on every little minutia thing. Yeah. And I, and I get it. That's just a different style of play. Um, 50 gold to me is something I would still be like, guys, just remember you need that 50 gold ring. Look, uh, I'm for tier one, I'm counting gold pieces. For tier two, I'm counting the tens column of gold pieces. And for tier three and four, I don't give a shit anymore. Can you afford this? Does it make sense? Yeah. Um, it also brings in an interesting thing with dismemberment where if you cut off the ring, does the ward stop? Like if you cut off the limb that has the ring. Uh, hokey dokey magic bullshit. It still works. I don't know. I'd say that it it the connecting point is the rings based on the flavor. I, if 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 well, they chop well, off what, your arm, what's it connecting to? It's connecting to you, and you cast the magic upon the ring. The ring is still there, right? But yeah, hold but on, is this concentration? It is not. It is one hour duration. Oh shit! So no, because it's not concentration. If it was concentration, I'd be like, no, man, you lost an arm. This doesn't work. But you have cast this upon the rings. It freaking works. Well, I would say it's based off rings, so the person would have to like lean down, pull the ring off their disembodied hand and put it on their other one to get the benefits. How do they pull it off and put it on the other hand? With their mouth. You just, you know, Dan, you make me uncomfortable. <laughs> so anyways, you what this... turn my audio into an any every time. What this spell does is it wards uh, a willing creature you touch um, and creates a mystical connection between the two of you. See, it's mystical. Between the two of you. Through the rings. Anyways, while the target is within 60 feet of you, it gains plus one AC and... Um, it gains a plus one bonus to AC and its saving throws. So this would apply to your death saves. And it has resistance to all damage, period. Yep. Also, each time it takes damage, you take the same amount of damage. I know. That's that's the asterisk on the end of this because it's so powerful. But now, wait a minute. This is why I like the idea of the ring on there. So that they get hit and the arm just like jumps like a fish out of water <laughs> right they're yeah. still connected i like that i think it's more fun like they get hit with it with necrosis and the arm the sever arm withers on the ground i don't know i just like that the yeah. arm catches on fire right they get hit by a fireball like the fingernails turn black and start to smoke yeah it, I, it's it's uh, i like it for flavor it's those all the stories you hear about twins like being a, a far way away and one of them like gets hit in the stomach the other one gets stomach pain yeah like that kind of thing however if you uh if the spell ends, if any one of the parties drops below zero hit points, or you guys become separated by more than 60 feet. Okay, then it just, the spell ends, and if you get back in 60 feet, it doesn't reconnect, you have to cast it again. Exactly. Okay. You can also dismiss it as an action if you really wanted yeah, to, sure. but it's an action to dismiss it. Most spells, if they've got a concentration, you just stop concentrating on it and you're Well, done. you said this isn't concentration, right? Exactly. So, yeah. so it requires an action to stop. This is like, I don't, all right, that guy, that goddamn rogue decided to go forward into the, the hallway full of fire. All right, I, I need to take my action to not get beaten by this horrible... Um, this horrible damage. Okay, cool. I like that. Next on the list is Death Ward. We have a fourth le uh, level abjuration. This one is, surprise, surprise, clerics and paladins. What? Yep. It's again in the player's handbook. This one is, um, you touch a creature and grant it a measure of protection from death. So the first time that, that the target drops below zero hit points, um, as a result of taking damage. So n not, uh, like there are some things that are cumulative, or um, it automatically drops you like power word kill. Mm -hmm. That's not damage. You just drop to zero. This doesn't this doesn't count. Okay. Right? The target instead drops to one hit point and the spell ends. But when you cast this, it takes an action. You got to touch a person and it runs for eight hours. No concentration. It's just 
you know what? I'm going to give this. This is another way this for is, my meat shield to stay standing. Yeah, this is a gimme. This right? is giving your meat shield a gimme. Or keeping your healer up. Yeah. Right? So, um, if the spell is still in effect when the target is subjective to an effect that would kill it instantaneously without dealing damage, that effect is instead negated. Wow. Okay. And the sp- and, and death ward ends. Yeah. Right? That's powerful. This is something that is going to keep you from dying. And it's also something that's going... It's very powerfully fighting a lot of ghosts and undead, like we mentioned before, that have these, if they drop below zero, you're dead abilities. Yep. Yeah, I love that. So, um, I like the idea um, of stat damage as well, and I often inject that as a homebrew rule into this game. I would allow... uh, Death Ward to work on any statistic. So if your strength drops to one, you're technically dead. I would have this bump you up to two, yeah. and the Death Ward leaves. So cool. that that's why I would run that. What do we have next on the list? The next spell we have is a wizard only spell in the Transmutation School. Here's your Transmutation spell, my friend. Yep. Um, requires an action. Range touch. Stop saying, goddamn. Yeah, <laughs> fuck off. Yep. Um. Uh, it's verbal and somatic with a uh, material component of gems worth um, a powder consisting of gem dust worth at least 5,000 gold points, which the spell consumes. So this is a big cost to it. Well, this spell is sequester. It's a seventh level spell. Seventh this level. This should have a big cost to it. It should, yeah. So what the spell does is it is your... Um, suspended animation spell, as as we've uh, you and I have discussed off mic briefly. Um, what it is is when you cast the spell and touch the target, that target becomes invisible, and then time doesn't move for them anymore. Which means when they are doing death saves, you can cast this on them so that everyone will have disadvantage to hit them if they even know where they are. But this doesn't have a duration. This goes for fucking ever. For, right? Forever. Until, the duration is until uh, dispelled. So not only does it work on creatures and objects, whatever you cast the spell on is blackout for any sort of divination magic or, or location finding magic. You cannot detect where this thing is, and it's also invisible. You can smell it, though. If you got, like, keen If you're in the same room, yeah. you can you could smell it. You could probably find it if it's invisible. But You'll trip over it. Right? So this, this is... Time stops for this thing until you want it to be, and no one's going to, like, use scry to find out where it is. So here's what I'm thinking. When you, uh, when your cleric goes down and no one has any heals, right, and you need to come up with a way to heal them, but you're in the heat of battle, you spend your action as a freaking wizard to say, all right, I'm taking you off the battlefield. Bang. I know that you've already got one success, one failure on your death saves, but I'm taking you out. That goes on pause. Yeah. When the battle is over, we will come back to you and pour a healing potion down your throat or we'll I'll recharge a wand or whatever it is and we can get you back up. We got to go through your backpack to find the holy relic that can bring you back. Yeah. But we can't do it right now. So bang, you're going into suspended animation and um and you're done unless somebody hits you, is that right? Yeah, if you take any damage, the spell will end. Or if the target takes any damage, the spell will end. And you can also set your own arbitrary limits to when it ends, right? Uh, the examples in the book are when the Trask awakens or after a thousand years. Those are the examples. It could be, you know, in an hour when we're out of here. 
so we don't have to carry your ass back to the Neverwinter. Yeah, right? or when like, when the this word is spoken and stuff like that. Yeah, this feels to me this is the Sleeping Beauty spell. Yes, very much so. I would agree. Um, the the one thing I, I I love about this on top of all of that is this is a great um, campaign campaign plot hook level spell. Yeah, as well like uh, when you want to retire a character as well, but you don't want them to die and you want to just take them off the playing field. Yeah. Here, this sequester is great for that. Yeah. And uh, if a character or an NPC of great importance is dying of a spell plague or something, sequester. Yeah. Right. And and that person is now paused until you can find a cure. Right. What's like, really is- what's really cool. So you're talking campaign hooks now, and I'm thinking about the the wizard that was in town, and uh, this is seventh level spell, so he'll have a couple of slots of this at high levels, right? And he casts this on one citizen at a time inside, the, and you go into the town, and there's nobody there. Everyone has been placed in their bed, and they are sleeping, and they're just in suspended animation, as he is waiting to gain the power to do a thing. True. Right. Wow. It'd be hilarious if he misplaces one because they're invisible for this entire duration. Oh as yeah, well, yeah, that's fun, right? And no divination magic can find them. So like he does this to somebody, and then there's you know the beast outside is calling his name. And he's got to run out, gets distracted, forgets about them, and now your party, two hundred years down the line, is walking through this abandoned village and trips over this invisible dude on the ground, who then wakes up. Well, they got to take damage. So here's the other thing that I want to say. If you've got death saves, all right, so Dan, you go down uh, at the in the middle of a round, right? Yeah. And then on the next round, you fail a death save. And on the next one, you, you succeed. And on the next one, you fail. And then I cast a quester on you to hold you still. And then someone causes damage to you. Damage is an automatic failure. You are dead. Uh, it It's not just undoing the spell. That is still damage against you, and you are dead. Uh. Well, a damage includes as a failed death save, right? That's so, what I'm saying. Yeah, if, if so that is the maximum. third one. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, the thing is, this also doesn't have to, like, yes, it's a great oh shit button for someone who's unconscious and on the ground. You could do this to a fully healthy creature and just take them out. Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. they have to be willing. But in, but in, like, in the regards, in the, in the framework of this episode, yeah. this is really, like, I'm focusing on death saves only, yeah, right? This, so. this spell is, it's, it's plot hook heavy. Like, I would... As a player, I probably would never take it. Um, it would be in my spell book, and I would use it as a, like, oh shit button if I ever needed to, but it's never one I'm preparing. Yeah. Right? So, anyways, that's me. Um, so, the last one is Holy Aura. This is a 8th level abjuration, uh, and again, clerics only. This one is pretty straightforward. You cast it upon yourself. Uh, it has a, a tiny uh, reliquary worth at least... 1,000 gold points containing a sacred relic. This does not consume the sacred relic. The spell does not consume no, this. No, it, it, yeah. it doesn't. But, like, that's really specific. you got to go to a temple to get this, right? So, um, the idea here is that there's a soft radiance that uh, that radiates from you in a 30-foot radius. Like I said, radiance and radius three times there. Yeah. Um, when you cast a spell, it sheds dim light and so on and so forth. Um Everybody within uh, five feet of you um, gets advantage on all saving throws, and other creatures have disadvantage on attack rolls against them. This is just another one that is is kind of helpful. I don't know why it's an eighth level, um, except for in addition, when a fiend or undead hits an affected creature with a melee attack, the aura flashes with a brilliant light, 
and the attacker must succeed with a con saving throw or be blinded. That feels really weak for an 8th level. I'm not sure yeah, I would ever does. pick this up. It really up. does. I, I think it's because it's an aura. I still wouldn't pick this up. It's concentration up to a minute. I'm doing that kind of the shit at the 5th level spell, right? Like, yeah, fair enough. I don't know. I don't think I would take this one. It's it's okay, but it's just advantage on saves. But all saves. But all saves, yeah. But, I mean, uh, there are a few that are advantage on saves, right? Yeah, that's so, fair enough. So, anyway, next up we have what I like to call the intervention, where there's somebody else that shows up that is going to fuck around. Let's roll initiative on this one, Dave. Okay. Four. Thirteen. Ooh, Thirteen. Go ahead. All right, so... I'm glad you went first, because I'm looking at this list going, what the hell? Here, and Why is this spell on this list? All right, because... And I will, I will show you. Uh, here is where we start to get a little bit fucky, all right? Conjure Fey. Six-level conjuration. Druids and Wizards can do this. This is the first time we've seen that crossover, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Right? It's in the player's handbook, although you're going to need the monster manual for this, too. So the way the Conjure Fey works is... Uh, it takes a minute to cast, so this is not something you're doing in combat. In combat, there's a 90 foot range, and it takes concentration. Or it allows you to, uh, with concentration, keep this running for up to an hour. Okay, you summon a fey creature of a challenge rating six or lower, or a fey spirit that takes on the form of a beast uh, at six or lower. So here's the thing: it the fey shows up. It's friendly to you. It can roll initiative, and it has its own turns. It obeys any verbal commands that you issue to it. Uh, but it doesn't take an action by you. Um, it does. Uh, you can't make it violate its alignment, which I mean is fair, right? If you don't issue any commands to it, it defends itself from hostile creatures. But otherwise, it doesn't do anything, right? And if your concentration is broken, it doesn't disappear. Instead, you lose control of it, and it becomes hostile towards you. So, here's the thing about it: you can summon a dryad because it is challenge rating one. And Dryads naturally cast or uh, Goodberry up to three times a day. So if you are desperate for heals, this is a good way out. Isn't that fucky? That's yeah. You're spending a sixth level spell to cat uh, to bring in how to, many Dryads to bring in? Uh, I believe it is a Dryad. It's one creature up to six CR uh, up to a CR six. Yeah. So if you want a Dryad, because Dryads have other crazy stuff as well, but if um. If you are looking for, because uh, it's got tree stride, so it can move around the forest and look into shit. It's a great scout, yeah. things like that. So if you're looking at your fey, you have Conjure Fey, and you're like, you know what, we also need a little bit of healing. Goodberry exists through the Dryad. This is technically a spell that you can cast that can provide some healing. Hmm. That's fucky. I love it, but it's fucky. Cool. All right. What, what do we have next, Dan? Next we have Soul Cage, which is a spell that is given to us from Xanathar's. It is available to uh, Warlocks and Wizards. This is another 6th level, right? It's another 6th... Uh, yeah, it's another 6th level necromancy spell. Um, its casting time is one reaction. Which you take when a humanoid within 60 feet of you dies. Good lord. Yeah. Uh, so it's got a range of 60 feet, clearly. Um, and you need to carry around with you a tiny silver cage worth 100 gold. No, that, that's fair enough. doesn't consume it. Um, the duration of the spell is eight hours, and Soul Cage does a lot. So we're just going to... Let's just focus on the healing aspect of it. Um, so what you can do is you use your reaction to uh, trap a soul that you see within your little Soul Cage. Uh, it remains in the uh, cage until the spell ends or until you destroy the cage. 
Um, and while you have the soul inside the cage, you can exploit it in a number of ways. Um, you can use a trapped soul up to six times inside that cage. And once you exploit a soul for the last time, it's released and the spell is over. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, while the soul is trapped, also, it cannot be revived or raised from the dead. Because you have the soul trapped. Right. So this requires you to have consciousness, right? In order to do it, you right. This is one of the things about it. It's yes, not a yeah. Passive. Yeah, this isn't a passive thing. This is you have to have this thing to you, and it's a reaction to cast the spell to begin with. Um, so what you can do in order to heal yourself with the soul cage is you can use your bonus action to drain vigor from the soul. Is the way they put it. Basically, you drain two d eight hit points out of it. Yikes. Yep. Um, now. What's really funny is you can soul cage a goblin, which has 1d6 hit points, and you are sucking 2d8 for six rounds because you have this oh, six yeah, times. It's, it's dead. Out of it, right? Like, you're good. And you can uh, use a bonus action to uh, use, and you can do this again with death saves. I think, no, it's on a bonus action. Uh, your next attack roll ability check or saving throw, you can roll with advantage. Which is which is cool. Um, which if you die before, if you do this before you die, you do this on the round before you die. Would you get that advantage on your next saving throw? Yes. Okay. Cool. So this is all about timing, right? Yeah, it's uh, all about timing. So yeah. a lot of this stuff is weird timing. The conjured um, uh, Fae was also about timing. You needed the time to cast that spell before battle. This is not something's going to like pull your ass out of the fire. Exactly. Right? So you can use this before you drop. To make sure you have advantage on that death save. Yeah. Which is another thing you could do. Much like Conjure Fae is our next one, Conjure's uh, Celestial. It's a 7th level conjuration, obviously. It's for clerics, no one's surprised. Uh, and it's in the player's handbook. This one is another one that requires you to summon another being. It's the same basic idea, but it takes a higher uh, spell slot to do it. It takes a minute to cast. Uh, you cast it within 90 feet of you. Yeah. And you need concentration to last for up to an hour. But it's the same thing. It has its own initiative and everything else. But here's here's uh, the only way you get healing with it. You, I know you're thinking Celestials. They, they all have healing shit. They do. They're all above level 4, and that's the highest you can cast this. You can get a CR 4 creature or lower. So the only thing you can get is a Coatl. The flying, like... The flying Celestial snake, snake thing, yeah. Yeah, which is lawful good and you can't make it do things that it won't want to do it's the same thing but it gets uh three times a day bless which we talked about before and cure wounds and lesser restoration and sanctuary oh. and shield and once a day it gets greater restoration it has more shit beyond that but that is what it can do just to heal and buff your party with healing shit right and protection that's huge Right, this is worth the seventh level spell slot. Yeah, I'd agree. The dryad, maybe if that's circumstantial. This to me, getting a CR four uh, creature in there, especially because it's got thirteen D eight plus thirty nine hit points and an AC of nineteen. So this thing's it could stick around for a little while. Yeah, it's it's gonna do like it's got poison attack. It can constrict things. It's a shape changer. It just magically polymorphs as an action. Right, it doesn't cast it. It just does it. Yeah. Right. Like, there's a lot going for for this, but this is a great way to keep your party up and running. If you are a cleric 
for some reason you have chosen not to get high level healing spells or you want a greater variety of what you have you took healing word but you didn't take cure wounds this is not a bad option to get that to add to the party. And how long this lasts? Uh, this lasts, I believe, it's up to an hour, but with concentration. So you're not blowing your spiritual um, guardians for this, yeah. right? So, or your spirit guardians. Yeah, you're doing this before the big fight that you know you're just going to be slinging healing spells around, right? Or, yeah. Or, or, and you know you're going to need that little bit of assistance. Yeah. So, um, this is. Uh, when you want a flyer in the party for whatever reason, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I think this is this is a really interesting, but a little fucky, and it requires timing. But this is a weird option cool. that can lead to healing. So the next area that we have, we're going to roll again uh, for initiative, is the protection from undeath, specifically. So you have died, but yeah, okay, all right. I rolled a natural one. I got a fourteen. I'm just going first in all of this, apparently. Um, so this is in Xanathar's. So the very first one is uh, called Ceremony. It's a first level abjuration. It's for clerics and paladins. Um, and uh, this one is a ritual. We haven't had a whole lot of rituals so no, far. No, we really haven't. Uh, and so this, what it does is it protects you from being turned undead. Which means that you can, once you've turned undead, you cannot be resurrected. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is, I've died, I've lost my death saves, but we're going to, we're going to, Keep my character in it, maybe, I hope. But it takes an hour to cast. Oh, geez. You have to be able to touch the person, okay? And there are a number of different things that you can do with it. So if they get incinerated, no luck. Yeah, look, you can help someone uh, atone for things. You can bless water. and This is how you create holy water. Yeah. Right? Uh, There's a coming-of-age ceremony involved. Um, Makes sense for a first-level spell. Yep. Um, And... uh, and uh, so there's a funeral rite where you touch one corpse, and for the next seven days, the target can't become undead by any means short of a wish spell. That's pretty nuts for a first level spell. Now, you are still freaking rotting. Revivify is not going to then bring you forth, but true resurrection might. Right? If you're fighting a necromancer and you need to get your, your dead friend back home, this is how you do it without them becoming a zombie. Yeah. Right? Um... The other thing is there's a dedication where you touch one humanoid um, who wishes to be dedicated to your god's service, and for the next 24 hours, whenever it makes a saving throw, it rolls a d4 and adds a number to the save. So there's actually kind of a, an additional bonus as well if you cast it a second time. You can only do one of these, mm-hmm. but you can either kind of help against saving throws or, oh shit, you're dead. I, I will bring you back after the fact. I will bring your body back, and maybe we can resurrect you. Yeah, uh, you're really hampered by the minute time, or the the, the hour. hour, the hour long. Um, well, it means that that you're like like I say, you're this, not doing this for a creature in the middle of death saves. This is a first level spell. Yeah, this is not for you to cast revivify and get them back up and running. This is to you for you saying, oh man, this is session one, right? And that that character that that we really liked, that someone was really excited to play just went down because the Bullywug crit. Yep. All right, I'm going to cast Ceremony. We're going to bring him back and find our patron wizard that sent us on the on the quest, and he's going to cast whatever it is, right? There will be the cleric in the temple that just once can bring someone back from the dead. Is this concentration? It is. Okay. Um, no, I'm sorry. It's 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 not concentration. You, you cast it. It's instantaneous what happens. Okay. Right? But... Um, but it, it takes an hour, and then 
or it's a ritual. And while it is for clerics and paladins, only clerics are ritual casters. So a paladin has to use the spell slot to do it. A cleric can choose to add 10 minutes to the one hour casting time. And then they don't use a spell slot, which we're talking about a body for seven days. I don't think it freaking matters. Yeah, that's right. Enough. So yeah. um, I, I don't see a cleric ever using a spell slot on this. No. They do have to have it prepared. Right, but they don't have to use the spell slot. If if you think it's kind of weird that paladins and other classes don't get ritual casting, there is a feat you can take that will open that up to you. Um, so look at that if you want to have that ability as well. Uh, is it called ritual caster? It's called ritual caster. Wow, I wonder what it does. Next on the list is Gentle Repose, which is a second level necromancy spell that is also a ritual. Um, uh, but its standard time is an action. Um, and it's verbal somatic, and you have to have a pinch of salts, one cot, and one copper piece placed on each of the corpse's eyes, uh, which must remain there for the duration of 10 days. So these copper have to stay on the eyes for the 10 days or the spell's not going to work. That's a massive thing. Gentle repose just isn't a hand wave and you're good. Well then. Yeah, right? Everyone's playing that wrong. Everyone's playing that wrong. Um, so what you do is you touch a corpse or other remains for the duration. The target is protected from decay and cannot become undead. Um, I'm it, assuming that when the copper comes off their eyes... Everything starts back up. It, start, it starts yeah. back up. How long does it take to cast again? Uh, it is an action. Okay. So you just have to run over and drop pennies on somebody's eyes. Yeah, and it's copper. Everyone's yeah. got copper. Yeah. Right? Uh, the spell also effectively extends the time limit on raising the target from the dead since days spent under the influence of the spell don't count against the time limit of spells such as raise dead. So basically you could restart your uh, timer. So if there's going to be a certain amount of time before you die, cast or before you can't raise dead anymore, you cast gentle repose, that time limit extends. Pretty simple. Um, this is available to clerics and wizards. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Um, the last one on this list, the protection from undeath, is hallow. Not hollow. Hallow. Is in hallowed ground. So the idea, this casting time takes 24 hours. You will be exhausted at the end of and this. And 10 minutes if you do it as a ritual. Uh, is it a ritual? It is not a ritual. Okay. It so 24 20... hours. The duration is until dispelled. And it's uh, fifth level, and it's going to take about 100 uh, gold pieces, which, which of shit that gets consumed. Not literal shit. You all right there? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Um, the idea is you touch a point and infuse an area around it with a holy or unholy power. The area can have a radius up to 60 feet, and the spell fails if the radius includes an area already under the effect of a hollow spell. The affected uh, area is subject to the following effects. Blah, blah, blah. Celestial elementals, fey, fiends, and undead can't enter. Uh, any Celestials? That's weird. Yeah. Um, because you can, it can be unholy as well. Oh, okay, cool. So oh, what, cool. You're, what you're doing is you're just imbuing it with your god, not necessarily lawful, good, aligned celestial creatures, right? Cool, yeah. Um, this really kind of harkens the idea that angels are not divine in 5th um, edition. Okay. Right? They, they're from the, from the positive planes... And they often have a god they follow, but they are not inherently divine. Okay. Um, so, I know it's a it's splitting hairs, but I guess it fucking matters for this. Apparently. Um, so, uh, also, anyone in this area is no longer charmed, frightened, or possessed, which is big. Because if you're possessed, um, 
that this is your anti like if you need to exercise someone exorcise someone then this is this is the way to do it if you have 24 hours um second you can bind an extra effect to the area including one of the following talk to your dm blah 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 there's courage darkness daylight energy protection energy vulnerability extra dimensional interference which means they can't move or travel uh, with teleportation fear silence or tongues all of this is pretty straightforward yeah right none of that's confusing but also on that list is everlasting rest Dead bodies interred in this area can't be turned into undead. So, if someone dies and you have 24 hours, you can bury them here and their body, while it will rot, will not turn into the undead, which means you can come back with your big resurrection spells, your ninth level resurrection magic, and bring them back to life. Exactly. Which is big. Right? Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, I, I really like Hallow. Uh, especially like you set this up in your character's home base because yeah. it lasts forever. Yeah. And there's all sorts of different um, options. This is a really versatile spell, but this is the one that applies to healing. Exactly. So yeah. um, let's talk about the actual retro, uh, resurrection magic next. Yep. Let, let's roll for it, Daniel. 14. 15. I just ah. keep... You can't win. I think we did this with like 16, 17 earlier. Um, first and foremost for resurrection spell, the one we've all been waiting for... Coming in from the left, everyone's super excited about fucking Revivify. I love Revivify. You I, hate it. I hate it. I hate it. It's Revivify is why bother? Why bother having monsters? I don't know. Revivify takes the scary aspect out of the game too early. You get this at fifth level. It is a third level necromancy spell, and it is available to clerics and paladins, but it just takes the... the the fright out of it. it. It's got a high cost to cast a spell each time you do it. 300 gold pieces. That's not that much. If at 5th level, that's a lot for a 5th level character. Yeah, but it, you are fine. And it's worth of diamonds. You gotta make sure your party has these on hand to cast a spell. I, I have still seen, like, the people have this. This is not this is not blowing my mind here, right? Um, you touch a creature that has died, it's instantaneous, takes an action. Uh, as long as they die within the last minute, that creature returns to life with one hit point. I don't know, man. Like I, the cost plus the time limit makes this make sense to me. Like I, I'm okay with it as a third level spell. They're on par with your fireballs. Like I'm okay with this. It's got a huge cost. It's what the most, it, the most expensive third level spell to cast. Yep, it's still available at fifth level, and there are. The economy is very strange in Dungeons and Dragons. People get more loot faster than the... There's nothing to spend loot on once you have your armor and weapons, right? Oh, I got a mount. I have a wagon. We bought a keep. But that's it, right? You're not tracking how much gold you spent on ale at the tavern after about tier Some one. Some are. Man, come on. By the time that you're casting Revivify, it doesn't fucking matter. Right. Well, and you have to think, like, there's also a lot of really cool wondrous magic items out there that you could save, be saving up for and buying. Like, there's a lot of point in cost. Now, the way they've built 5th edition is magic items mean more for what they for what they have, right? Like, they're, they're not just part of the build anymore. Right, but the economy is wonky, and so a lot of people hand wave it, is my point. Therefore... I believe that Revivify gets used more often than it should because of the imprecise economy rules. Sure. So I would encourage uh, 
any dungeon master running this, make it clear to your players that they have to clear it with you and make sure everyone is aware that they have 300 gold worth of diamonds. And if they don't, then they can't just be like, oh yeah, I prepped this spell, I'm casting it. Do you have the 300 gold worth of diamonds? You don't? Well, then you don't cast it and now you're screwed, right? Like there, there's a huge cost to this. Um, and yeah, sure, later levels, something dies within a minute, you could pop them back up again. Sure. Uh, there are rules out there, like in uh, the Taldore uh, guide, which twist how resurrection magic happens. I would take a look into that as well to see things like what kind of ritual you have to like convince the soul to come back to the body. What kind of thing do you have to do for that? Now, Revivify is kind of hand wave and it's done, but there, you as a DM can add a lot of weight to that death. It just feels so overpowered like what i would do um and i don't i don't know if this is a rule or not but i would say if someone dies doesn't matter when they come back they are coming back exhausted they come back with two levels of exhaustion and it takes a day each time to get that done if you die in the middle of combat and you are brought back that bringing back aspect is so taxing you are now at two levels of exhaustion sure i'm with you but that that wears off in a day and a half, right? Like True, but that adds a lot more uh, consequence to a third level spell that costs 100 gold per level in it, right? Like a 300 gold spell. I don't know, man. It still seems overpowered. If you're going to put that many restrictions on it, make it a fifth level spell. Why is it there at third level? Because there's no other option until fifth. I'm cool with that. I'm not. Because fifth level is, uh, you get fifth level when ninth level. So I'm okay with River Vivify. It's got, it's one of those spells you either love it or you hate it. I love it. I, I hate know it. you hate it. Yeah. So we're not going to agree. No. All right. What do we have next? Next we have Greater Restoration, which is weird that we're, this is on the resurrection list, but hear me out here. Um, it's a fifth level abjuration spell. You'll, you'll notice Lesser Restoration is not included. Yes. Lesser Restoration doesn't do what Greater Restoration can do. Right. Because it's, it's, it's greater. Yeah. So. Yeah. So um, what you need for Greater Restoration is a diamond dust worth at least 100 gold, which the spell consumes. Oh, that's so much less than a freaking river. I'm done. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Greater Restoration. um, The way it brings someone back from the dead is if you count petrification as death. Yeah. Greater Restoration brings someone back from petrification. And I don't – it's a condition. I don't consider it death. I don't consider it death either. Okay. If you smash it. And then bring them back up. Well, now they're in pieces and they they will die. I'm going to give you death saves on that. You come back, gasp, scream in horror, and then just you are snuffed out. Yeah. Right? You are in pieces. But um, And, I mean, Great Greater Restoration also removes a charmed effect or removes a um, curse or a uh, any reduction to a ability score and anything affecting a person's hit point maximum. Like, there, it, it fixes a lot of it, – it's like a reset button for your character. Um, and we included it on this list because it removes petrification. Yep. And so that's uh, like that's powerful. Bard, Cleric, and Druid. It's odd that you're not going to see this for a Paladin. And I feel like um, Greater Restoration, because it's conditional, I would even feel comfortable with this on a Wizard list. Yeah, I guess uh, for an Abjuration Wizard list, yeah. that makes sense. But we, we've we also already discussed how we think Abjuration Wizards should get access to Cure Wounds. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. All right. makes so, sense for me. Um, I, I don't have anything else on that. That one's pretty straightforward. Next is uh, <laughs> Raise Dead. The I wonder, good old one. I wonder what this one does. Fifth level, uh, Necromancy. 
This one is for uh, Bard, Cleric, and Paladin. Okay, and this one, essentially, I'm just going to break it down really quickly. This is not Raising Zombies. This is you return a dead creature you touch to life as long as it's not been dead longer than 10 days. Okay, it neutralizes poisons. It cures non-magical diseases, specifically non-magical diseases. It doesn't remove magical diseases, curses, or similar effects. So, uh, it cannot return an undead creature to life, but it closes all mortal wounds, but it doesn't restore missing body parts. That's what you need your, your greater restoration ship yeah. for, right? So, um, Or, uh, what was it, regenerate? Here's a here's neat thing. Coming back from the dead is an ordeal. The target takes a minus four penalty to all attack rolls, saving throws, and ability checks, and every time the target finishes a long rest, that penalty is reduced by one until it disappears. Revivify should have that too. There we go. And then, then I'm fine with it. Right? The fact that revivifies... No, 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 you're good. I, I feel like it's CPR. Well, it's like your uh, dead character didn't get far enough away from the the, the, the space between the veil. So it oh, yeah, doesn't the, have any negative effects. Yeah, the, the ghost effect. is still just like hanging around the room like, guys, help. Yeah, it's like still just sitting up and like pulling itself out of the body and looking around and realizing it's dead. And then you just slam it back in the body. Uh, okay, I think there should be some sort of mechanical negative persisting after death. Oh, give them a sanity stat. You should be giving your party members and your players sanity stats anyways. It's no, so that, that's, a, that's a variant rule. Anyway, that's not the point. What do we have going on next? Next we have Reincarnate, which is available to like druids this. only. It's fucking weird. I, I love it. I've seen it exploited in previous editions. I, um, I think as long as you're rolling randomly, and I would expand the table. We'll get into it in a second. But expand the table to include the Volos monsters as well. Yep. Or the Volos uh, races. So anyways, what what does it do? So uh, it is a casting time of an hour as a 5th level transmutation spell. Um, You need rare oils and ungots worth at least 1,000 gold, which the spell consumes. Um, And what you do is you touch a dead humanoid or a piece of the dead humanoid. I love that. If you only have an ear, you're good. I have hair. Right, yeah. like I have this guy's hair. Which I, what I would do I, I, is I only have the dwarf's beard. If we have a druid in the party, he just has a little bag full of hair locks with him, just in case. Right, everyone just cuts off a lock of the hair he tied up, and he carries. I love it that this is druid only. I also love that it's druid only. Um, so, provided that the creature hasn't been dead for any longer than ten days, what you can do is it forms them a new adult body, which the soul then inhabits. So, but the fun part is the DM gets to roll a uh, D100 percentile dice. Not the player. Yeah, to find out which race that body is going to be. Yeah. And it's Dragonborn, the different dwarves, the different elves, the different gnomes, the different half, or sorry, half elf, half orc, um, the two halflings, a human or a tiefling. I will have you notice it's not a variant human. Mm-hmm. That was not on the list. Um, but the other thing that I like about this as well is that um, uh, it is... Like, oh, what gender are you going to be when you come back? I find it weird that it's Tiefling, but not Acemar. But that's because Acemar wasn't out yet. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is just the ones in the player's handbook. So you should really bring in like Acemar and Goliath and Minotaur. Like bring in the Ravnica ones. Change the math as you need. Right. Yeah, at this point, they're all, I don't know, roughly between 4 and 7% chance of getting it. It's more difficult to become a dragonborn or a tiefling. It's pretty common to become... A, a human. Look at that gap on the human. Oh, yeah. 19%. 
Yeah, where they have a one fifth chance to become a human. Whereas you know the gnome, it's forty three to forty six on a percentile, but it's also forty seven fifty two because there are two different kinds of gnomes involved. Yeah. So I would totally just play with this. And if you're like, you know what, I would like to give them the off- uh, the opportunity to be a Sfirf Neblin. Yep. As well, then I'll give them some funky stats and I'll add it to the list. I feel like this encourages DM tinkering. Yeah, it does. Um, I also love that when you reincarnate somebody. They retain all of their uh, knowledge and all of their experience in their former life. The only thing you basically reset is their race traits and and their uh, racial traits. Yeah, but I also desperately want to change their gender as well. I'd say it's a 50-50. You roll it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You flip a coin on this one. Um, And that is something you clear with your players, of course, before you do it. Do you? Yes. Okay, fine. Yes, you do. (laughs) All right. Um, The next one on the list is Resurrection. Gee, I wonder what it does. Huh. Huh. So while we're talking about resurrection magic, what does resurrection do? It's a 7th level necromancy spell. Uh, it's available for the bard and the cleric. Uh, it's weird. Again, it, it feels... It's, it's because paladins don't get 7th level spells. No, but I, I was going to say, I feel like it needs to be on a wizard list. You're freaking playing with the arcane. A wizard should be able to learn how to resurrect someone. Especially a necromancer. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, anyway, beside the point. Um, this... Costs an hour to cast. You have to be able to uh, touch your target, but the it is instantaneous. You're spending a diamond worth at least a thousand gold pieces, which gets consumed, but that's standard. It's all diamonds for resurrection, right? Like yep. that's that's the thing. So players, if your DM says, "Oh, you came upon a diamond mine," loot the shit out of that. Everything. Everything. Make make a camp. So, You're there now for a couple months. Um, there's actually uh, random tables in the DMG which encourages you to like roll to see which gems you're getting. Ask if diamonds are a part of it and roll percentile dice to see how many okay. diamonds you get. I'm actually not a huge fan of how much diamonds are required. I would love to see other forms of gems because then it everything just becomes diamonds. Uh, th- there are for other magics. There, there are, are topazes and rubies and other things. I, I, but I, I get it. I would still try to have like or precious, or just precious gems up to another 50% of the cost or whatever it is, right? Sure, yeah. Well, there's some of that. It's around, but it's not, you're right, it's not as prevalent as diamonds. Anyway, you touch a dead creature that's been dead for no more than a century. That it, eh? Yep. Um, move quick. And it didn't die of old age. And it can't be undead. And its soul has to be free and willing. And then it returns with all of its hit points. Cool. Okay, so again, uh, we're neutralizing poisons and diseases. We're getting rid of, um, uh, but only basic diseases. It's not going to remove magical diseases, curses, stuff like that. So um, you get that negative four penalty to all attack rolls, saving throws, and ability checks, which uh, reduces after every long rest again. And uh, here's my favorite bit. Casting this spell to restore life to a creature that has been dead for one year or longer taxes you greatly. Until you finish a long rest, you cannot cast spells. You have disadvantage on all attack rolls, ability checks, and saving throws. Yikes. This feels like exhaustion 4.5. Right? The four and a half level of exhaustion. Yeah. Right? This hurts. So if you're going to do this, you need need help from your party. Yeah. And you need a rest. Like, this is not a... We need to resurrect this guy and give him, like, and then we'll leave immediately to go fight the dragon. No, no, no. This is we resurrect and we give him some time. 
We'll see you in a week, bud. You go sleep. We'll bring up some chicken noodle soup when you need Yeah, especially when you're playing with the long uh, rest rules where a short rest is a day and a long rest is a week. Yep. Or a month. I've seen that as well. That's crippling. Yes. Crippling. Anyway, uh, what do we have next on the list? Next we have clone. This is my favorite thing for NPCs and bad guys. Eighth level necromancy spell. I love uh, it. Castable by clerics. Sorry, by only wizards. Yep. Only wizards get this one. Um, a casting time of an hour. Um, you need two things with this. Uh, three things, really, with it. You need a diamond worth a thousand gold. Sure. You need a container large enough to hold a medium-sized creature worth at least 2,000 gold. So you need a freaking sarcophagus. You need a Bacta tank. Yes. Uh, okay, nerd. <laughs> I, I said sarcophagus. I'm thinking like, yeah. I, I love the idea of you step out of the golden sarcophagus in the pyramid. I, I like uh, the options it gives you as examples. A huge urn, a coffin, a mud-filled cyst in the ground, which is the grossest sentence I've heard yet today. I love that. That, that takes me to like the classic um, comic book uh, Raz al Ghul, yeah, right, where he's coming up from the the wells of life. He's just like re- appearing, re uh, like he's died. They put his his husk in it, and then he stands up again. I I, I also kind of get the image of uh, the ogres, and, sorry, the orcs and goblins from Lord of the Rings from the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah, yeah. when they're pulling like that that film that skin. It's off of Neo them. waking up inside the in the real world, right? Exactly. Yeah. Another option is a crystal container filled with salt water. Yeah, right. That makes sense. But the third thing you need is one cubic inch of flesh of the creature that's supposed to be cloned. I'm a so- cubic inch. That is not. That is not a. That is not a square inch. That is a cubic inch. That shit's gonna leave a puckered scar. That's gonna leave a mark. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, I just I just see the one uh, necromancer with this thing. Just like, all right, got my diamond. I've got my gem. Oh, this is the part I don't like. Uh, stabs himself in the gut with a thing. Uh, I'm picturing him like biting down on, on a leather belt as Igor is just like carving it out of his buttock. Oh, <laughs> ouch. And, and, and when it's done, it's like, Master, I have it done. And he just turns around and just decks him in the face. <laughs> oh! And, and like Igor holds up a three cubic inch piece yeah, of meat. Right. You're like, too much. You took too much. Well, I, uh, I need two more earthen cysts. <laughs> So what this spell does is uh, the creature, you put this little chunk of flesh in this container and you cast this spell over it. And what it does is the spell grows an inert duplicate of the caster. But there's no soul. There's no mind. There's no soul. There's no mind. It's just a husk. Yeah. Right. It takes a, it uh, forms within the sealed vessel and takes 120 days to reach maturity. Once it reaches maturity, it remains inert until the caster dies at what at um, that point the soul transfers directly into the clone assuming the soul is willing to return yeah right uh, then the clone is physically identical to the original has the same personality memories but none of the original's equipment because uh, it it's wasn't the, there. Yeah, it's not the body right? right yeah but you remember everything and you have the same experience level of uh your previous form all right Oh, sorry. Is there more? Uh, the ori- the original creature's physicals, uh, uh, physical remains, if they still exist, then become inert and can't be raised to life. 
Of course, because you're so cool to be in one place. That's yeah, fine. I love the idea of the fact that you're shrugging off like your scars and stuff too. So this new clone body does not have that missing cubic um, flesh until they get out and be like, "All right, well, open up this drawer where there's another diamond, and then turn yeah. back around to the cyst." Eagle. They're still like covered in goop and naked, and just I, like, "All I, right, here I, we go. I feel like I feel like the first the first one the first time that this happens. Um, the, the necromancer turns to Igor and says, kill me, hack up all of this flesh and put my, my soul inside the first one. But there's just like 15 different, um, like sarcophagi or tanks or whatever lined up there, ready to go. So sidebar, I have a recurring character. He is the villain that is consistently harassing the party in my Tuesday campaign. And he has a number of clones, but he has the number six carved on his head and they're all level six right now. So he just showed up and they murdered him and they all got a vision of him stepping out of a sarcophagus with the number seven carved in and going, all right, fine, I will use this wand then. And he picks up a more powerful wand and says, where are they? And then stomps off into the darkness, right? And every level, they're going to have to fight and kill this guy and he's going to come back stronger than the last. That's fantastic. And so their their mission is to burn this fucking place down so there's no more sarcophagus, (laughs) right? So that's... Well, and and like this is a eighth level necromancy spell. You are level... 13, 15 when you get access to this? See, the other thing that I really like about this is this feels mind flayery to me as well. It, oh, it does. It, it feels it feels like top end, this is your big bad evil guy for the campaign. And he's just got these things strewn about everywhere in safe houses across this entire realm. And he just jumps you from need, each one. You need Soul Cage to stop this you shit. Need sto- you need Soul Cage to stop this. Uh, okay, what's all next? Right. So what's, what we have next is uh, our ninth level. This is our big one. True Resurrection. It's another necromancy, obviously. Clerics or druids get this. And instead of it being uh, one century, it's 200 years. It's two centuries, right? Uh, it costs or it takes an hour to cast. You need uh, holy water, just a little bit, and 25,000 gold pieces worth of diamonds. That's it, hey? That's it. Just 25,000 gold worth that of level, diamonds? That level, like this is a ninth level spell. You're level, what, 18, 25,000 gold is... A lot. Of no diamonds. matter what your level is. Not when you're killing dragons and taking their hordes. True. Um, or casting Wish, which gives you 25,000 gold worth of whatever you want. Yep. So anyway, you touch a creature that's been dead for no longer than 200 years. Um, if it died of old age, it doesn't count. I like that that is a constant here, right? Yep. Um, and it's got to be free and willing. It It's the same thing. It closes all wounds. Um, but this one... Uh, does lift any curse affecting it. It cures all diseases, including magical. And uh, it replaces damaged and missing organs uh, and and limbs, right? If the creature was undead, it restores it to its non-undead form. This is the only one that can flip an undead. Wow. Okay? The spell can even provide a new body if the original no longer exists. In which case, you must speak the original creature's name as part of your verbal. The creature then appears in an unoccupied space you choose within 10 feet of you. So this is just you you summoning Imhotep, right, from, from the reaches of history. And, and then he just appears. <laughs> this is the him. lightning bolt coming down and a naked Arnold Schwarzenegger standing up slowly. Exactly, right? This is just <laughs> dun, like... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> you know who I really need was that, that character that I... The player character that died at level four, but he had this piece of information. We just got to ask him a question. Boom! I, I do have one question. A lot of these resurrection spells say 
won't work if the soul's not willing. Is there a way to uh, like force someone to be resurrected? Uh, yes, I would say yes based on the fiend stuff because your options are to cross the river Styx and become ev- either a Lemure or uh, a Manus, right? Yeah. So like, or you can come back into your body, right? So if they're like, no, I don't want to come back, like, well, bitch, we're gonna drop you in the Nine Hells. We're gonna drop you in Gehenna. Right. And so so it requires a lot of extra, like, actually role-playing and everything else. It's not yeah. just a, like, I was wondering if there's, like, a spell. It's like, regardless of the, whether the soul wants to or not, it's now in that. No, 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 no. That's, I mean, soul cage. Yeah, but that's, like, a reaction as soon as something dies. If you wait around, you can't do it. Yeah, that, look, you, there's all sorts of speak with undead level stuff, too. That's not this episode. Yeah. Right? So... Um, you may be able to coerce things, but a lot of the times they're just answering yes or no questions and stuff. Fair enough. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Um, that's that's DM discretion is, is cool. what I would what say. What do we got next? Undeath. Let's roll for it. I finally rolled a one. I rolled a three. I mean, you're not doing well, but I, I feel like I gave you a gimme on this one. Yeah, okay. So uh, first one of undeath. This is, of course, if you uh, want someone to be back, but you don't necessarily need them to be themselves, here's what you do. <laughs> yeah, so this is when you have the necromancer in the party. So we're talking about specifically creating undead creatures. Yeah. And this is kind of uh you know what, I, I really liked having this guy around. Yeah. And I don't want him I, I don't want him to go yet. So no. here we go. So Animate Dead is a third level necromancy spell. It is available to clerics and wizards both respectively. Um it's a one minute casting time, uh not a ritual, which I find weird. Uh, I'm I'm fine with it. You got to cast it right now. You don't get to. Oh, yeah. You have create undead later, so I think that's where. Okay, cool. Um, you need a drop of blood, a piece of flesh, and a pinch of bone dust. So you need like the material bits of what creates a thing, right? Um, and what this spell does is it creates an undead servant. Choose a pile of bones, um, or a corpse. And the spell fills the target with a foul... I love how it says a foul mimicry of life. Raising it as an undead creature. Um, The target becomes a skeleton if you choose bones or a zombie if you choose a corpse. So again, listen back to our uh, mob mentality episode. uh, I think it was episode 35, 36? 35. 35 on... 36. 36. On skeletons and zombies. It was, it was the last episode. Yeah, yeah, it was the last one we recorded. Um, on uh, each of your turns, as a bonus action, you then mentally command this creature to do things as long as it's within 60 feet of you. That's pretty standard for zombie stuff. Yeah. And uh, so it could do pretty much anything a zombie or skeleton could do. But after 24 hours, it stops obeying your commands. Uh, uh, but in order to main con- maintain control of the creature for another 24 hours, you got to cast the spell again for another 24 hours. So you have to re-up it, okay? Uh, the use of the spell reasserts your control for up to four creatures you have animated with the spell. So you can have multiple creatures uh, with this thing. And then if you use the spell uh, with a fourth level or higher spell slot, you get to animate additional creatures wh- as you go. So there's a lot to this one. You're creating skeletons and zombies as a as a yeah, horde yeah. for you. Um, it's, it's not a super powered horde though. You're not getting thousands. No, but uh, they can last days. And I mean, you cast this as a ninth level spell. You're getting eight minions. 
Right off the gate. Yep. I love it. Um, I don't know. That's kind of weak for a ninth level spell slot. Wait, wait. But is it? Oh, two additional for each spell level. Yeah. Above fourth. So that's fourth, a- fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. You're getting ten more on top of the original one. So you're getting eleven things with each casting of this. Eleven creatures of zombies. That is it. Con- you, it's not concentration. Not concentration, and they last twenty four hours, and you just control them mentally. Can you only cast? Can you only control one at a time? No. Nope. Do you use an action to command? Uh, it is a bonus action to command any creature within sixty feet of you. Any, so that's any and one you creature. decide what the action uh, the creature will yeah, take yeah, but and where it will go during its turn or what it will do for a general command. Right. So what I would have to do if I've got say eleven of these things, I would then spend the next eleven rounds using my bonus actions to be like, your general command is to do whatever I say, and then you can say attack that guy. Right. Instead of saying attack, because only one will do it, because yeah. you can only target one. I would say this is something because it's a minute long casting. You're casting it before combat, and you're just assuming yes. that your guy did that. So then, when it comes down to combat, you've got these eleven. I'm, I'm not guys. assuming that because eleven bonus actions is another minute, so that's two minutes to do it. Yeah. Like I, I need the player. Well, the to player do would ha- you have to clear that with your player as a DM or players. You have to clear it with your DM that I'm casting the spell. I'm raising eleven skeletons, but and I'm also going to. Spend Spend that additional minute to tell them, hey, here's what you have to do so that I can command them all as a bonus action still, but it will affect all of them. Yeah. Um, and well, no, because then anything you say, it's an interaction and they will do what you say because you've spent the bonus action to do it. Sure. The, yeah. the I'm, point I'm, I'm on board with The it. point is that you can't say get that one and they'll and they'll or you can say get that one and they'll all turn, but you can't issue a new command like ignore what I said. Or uh, like resets everything. Yeah. So the thing I like the most about this thing is it is a ninth level spell. You could cast it as a ninth level spell with no component, and you just keep re-upping them. So these skeletons and zombies will stay with you as long as you uh, have the spell slots to do it. Right. So here's a fifth level spell. Okay. Uh, this is in Xanathar's. It's necromancy. It's for warlocks and wizards, and it's called the Dance Macabre. I love it. Uh, I love it to a point. It's uh, I, It feels underpowered to me. One action, 60-foot range again. It's the very same thing except dark threads of power leap from your fingers to pierce up to five small or medium creatures you can see. So you're getting more right off the bat, right? You decide whether it's a zombie or a skeleton. I love the idea of you choosing it's a skeleton and the bones just tear free of the flesh. <laughs> Gross. Right? Um, so it's... Uh, but it's any corpse. There's no limit on how long it's been dead. I think I've seen that in a Hellraiser movie. Oh, it could be. Um, and it, uh, But here's the great thing is they gain a bonus to their attack and damage rolls equal to your spellcasting ability modifier. That's not a replacement. That is an addition. So these things super hit. I love it. Yep. You this can, is at what level? It's a... It's fifth level. But So, yeah, they're getting a five. Right. But here's the thing. Um, it's the same way to, to get them to follow commands and within 60 feet and all that nonsense. Is it the spellcasting modifier or the spellcasting ability modifier? Spellcasting ability modifier. Okay. If it was just spellcasting modifier, then that includes your proficiency. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's not your spellcast or your attack um, yeah. number. It's your... It's your ability check. So cool. for wizards, it's, it's intelligence. It's and for pirates. warlocks, no, it's warlocks, it's charisma. Okay, cool. Um, so it's the same rules about giving them orders and all that. But the creatures are under your control until the spell ends, which only lasts an hour. And it requires your concentration. Cool. Okay. Um, at higher spell slots, um, 
they become, uh, or you get two more for every beyond that. But you're starting off with five at fifth level, right? So you can have, what is that, an additional eight. So you're up to 13, Mm -hmm. but you only get them for an hour. And you have to maintain your concentration. And at the end, they become inanimate objects again. They just fall down. Cool. So that's that. We got one more in the undeath, Dan. Create undead, which is a sixth level, a necromancy spell. Uh, It takes a minute to cast, and you can only cast it at night, which I like. Uh, Super edgelordy. It's fantastic. Um, It's uh, verbal, somatic, and the material component on this one is a clay pot filled with grave dirt. One clay pot filled with brackish water and one 150 gold black onyx stone for each corpse you raise. Do you know what brackish water is? Old water. No. No. As someone who had fish tanks, brackish water is not just old water. It is halfway between fresh water and salt water. There is a high salt content, but it is still able to, you can still drink it. It's just not going to taste good. Okay. All right. So brackish water, think uh, kind of like brine. Okay. Yeah, cool. I'm, I'm with you. Um, so what this does is uh, for each corpse, you need a 150 gold thing. And you could do up to three corpses. So this could cost you up to 450 Now, when gold. you say I can do up to three corpses. Not that way, Adam. Gross, Dan. Yeah. You're gross. Uh, yeah, you're the one that brought it up. Dan, you're gross. So uh, up, choose up to three corpses of medium or small humanoids. You can't do a large one with this. Still gross. And each corpse becomes a ghoul under your command. Specifically a ghoul. That's fun. Okay. Um, and we'll talk about ghouls in a minute because what they do, like they're intelligent creatures. Yeah. For the most part. So you can still talk to these guys. So as a bonus action on each of your turns, you can mention the command any creature you animated within the spell, that as long as it's 120 feet of uh, within 120 feet of you. That's so much more powerful than the 60 foot radius of the other. It's also a sixth level spell. Well, no, I mean, it's a fifth level spell. It only gives you like ah, uh, fair enough. You're doubling for for one. Um, so level. you decide what creature the action, what action the creature takes, um, and where it will move. Um, and if you issue no commands to it at all, it'll defend itself against hostile creatures. That's standard. I, um, I've been skipping over that, but yeah. that's true for all of them. Uh, once, once it's given an order, it will uh, it will continue to follow it until it's complete. So even if you walk out of this 120-foot range, it will continue to do it. So if you say, break down that wall and you walk away, it will keep going until it is either destroyed or it breaks down the wall. Now... The creature is under your control for 24 hours, at which point it stops obeying your orders. Um, To maintain control, you must cast the spell on the creature again to maintain the 24-hour duration. Um, This use of the spell asserts your control over up to the three creatures you've animated with the spell, rather than animating new ones. Now, if you want to spend additional spell slots, um, per spell slot you spend... You get an addition. Uh, you get a bunch of stuff. So at seventh level, if you use a seventh level spell slot to um, go, you get four ghouls. If you use an eighth level spell slot, you get five ghouls or two ghasts or whites. Shit. <laughs> and when you use a ninth level, you can animate to have six ghouls, three ghasts or whites, or two mummies. Mummies are powerful, but they're not. I would. I would still take the ghouls, and here's why. I'm. I'm just going to touch really quickly on what a ghoul is because this is not a monster episode, right? Yeah. But um, these they've got an intelligence of seven, a wisdom of ten, and a charisma of six, which means these are thinking creatures. They eat flesh, right? They're like uh, maggots and carrion beetles. 
They want decay and dead flesh, not living flesh. So they want to kill you first. Okay. They bite and they claw and their claw attack paralyzes on a DC 10 constitution. Not elves. Specifically says in there, not elves. Yes, not, not elves. So um, This is where the elves being resistant to paralyzation comes in. Because it's not under the elf feature. It's specifically in the ghoul's paralyzation feature. Which is weird. Yeah. Uh, so, well, it's because the original ghoul was uh, was Dorsane. He was an elf okay. who was twisted by the abyss. Um, and the uh, Orcus, like, fucked with him. Yeah. Right? And then, so he was an elf originally, and he turned on um, on his, the other of his kind, right? So it's in the lore if you read it. But ghasts are super-powered ghouls. Whites have armor and are even more badass. Yeah. Right? Like, I would take three ghasts over six ghouls. I would take three gas over six ghouls. I would... Well, I mean, action economy depends on who you're fighting. I guess that's true. So, um, anyway, I, I really like that. That's fun. But that that's the end of our undeath. Yeah. So, this is how you, you keep your characters, kind of. Sort of. Right? <laughs> and now let's get to the weird fucky shit about, about uh, staving off death. Okay? Yeah, let's do it. So, let's roll. I rolled a nat 20, Dan. And I watched. And you got a nat one. <laughs> My God, it's like real life. Um, Note how I deliberately try to not hit your dice with the nat twenty. Yeah, you're I, welcome for that. I appreciate that, Dan. Yeah, but uh, I don't. I don't need your fucking charity. So, um, <laughs> uh, how about you give me the book? Uh, all right. So the very first one here is the third level necromantic spell, uh, vampiric touch. This is for warlocks and wizards only. You find it in the PHB. Here's the thing about Vampiric Touch. This will not work if you are already unconscious. Yeah. Because you, it takes one action to cast on yourself and requires concentration up to a minute. And the idea is you make a melee attack. You're casting magic, but you have to touch the person. Um, and on a hit, the target takes 3d6 necrotic damage and you regain hit points equal to half the amount of that damage dealt. Okay, until it ends, you can make the attack again on each of your turns as an action. So you, you cast this and you have imbued yourself with this life-draining ability. At higher levels, uh, the damage increases 1d6 per spell slot level, right? Yeah. So this, if for some reason you are conscious with zero hit points, if you can somehow make that work, you can bring yourself back into the positive with this. Yeah. So this is about regaining hit points at the debt to the detriment of others. And I would even say that if you have one hit point left, you cast this on yourself, reach over and touch the barbarian. Yeah. This does not have to be an enemy. This can be an ally. And while you're only going to get half of what, what they get, their hit die is a D12. Yours you, is a D6. Yeah, you <laughs> you need this, right? Yeah, for sure. So um I, I like that this is a bit of a trade-off. This is weird. And we had another one earlier, which was life transference, but this one is specifically like necrotic damage that yeah. you are doing. I, I like this one, it's, but it, it's a little fucky. Yep. Life transference did necrotic damage as well, though. Life transference is you sacrificing your hit points for somebody else. This is you taking, taking someone else's. Yeah. Right? So this is the, the direction of the flow is different. Cool. Okay. So uh, vampiric touch. And again, those are both life transference and vampiric touch are both third level. Yep. So, um, our next spell in this uh, fucking nonsense level of stuff is a spell I just discovered a few weeks ago, and I love it. 
Because you like fucking nonsense, Dan. Well, also because I play a lot of characters that heavily rely more on their short rest than their long rest. I am talking about Catnap from Xanathar's. Uh, Catnap is a third level enchantment spell uh, that is available to bards, sorcerers, and wizards. Um, it takes an action to cast and has a range of 30 feet and requires somatic components and a pinch of sand. Because you don't want to be loud when you're trying to put people to sleep. So there's no verbal. Um, it's a duration of 10 minutes. And what it does is you make a calming gesture. Um, and up to three creatures willing of your choice fall unconscious for 10 minutes. And when they get up, they have the full benefits of a short rest. Which standard rules are an hour. This gives you a 10 minute short rest. However, you cannot benefit from the spell again unless you take a long rest. So this is a one and done. Yeah. Okay? Now you can boost this with additional spell, uh, higher level spell slots. And for each creature, uh, or for each spell slot above uh, third, so fourth or higher, you gain an additional creature that you would knock unconscious with this. Up to and including yourself. You could just be like, Meh, and you pass out. Right? Ten minutes later, you're up with your uh, full catnap. This gives you the ability to have your warlock stand back up with full uh, slots. Your wizard can hit his arcane recovery. Everyone can blow hit dice on heals. There it is. It's all about the hit dice for the healing on this, right? So So this gives you a ten minute short rest. Yeah. I I really like that. Yeah. Um, And it's a third level spell. It's not that unattainable. No. Like your your fifth level character is going to have the option to hit this. And yeah. Go nuts, I would say. So what do we got next? All right, next is, uh, there's a lot to this one. Um, this is Glyph of Warding. It's level three. It's an abjuration. It's for bards, clerics, and wizards. And uh, it's in the player's handbook. Here's the thing. This is not specifically about healing, but what it does do is it stores spells. The idea is that you inscribe a glyph that later unleashes a magical effect. And there's a lot of rules about it. Yep. Um, and I'm not going to go through it. The idea is essentially that you create a giant glyph somewhere that's nearly invisible. You have to roll a successful investigation to see it. And if you trigger the glyph, then the spell will trigger. Yeah. Which means you can drop anything third level or lower into this. It has to be a spell. Specifically, not a cantrip. This will not give you Spare the Dying. But it will give you a healing word. It will give you cure wounds. More importantly, it will give you revivify if you can cast it. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is one of those ones that I feel like you can um, you you put this up just like inside your own keep, just inside the front door. And when you walk in, you can smash your hand on it and 10 good berries land in your hand. Right? <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So, um, cool. So this is when you are uh, like... Look, it takes an hour to cast, all right? If you don't need the short rest, but the rest of your party does, the monk needs their key points back, the warlock needs its spell slots and whatnot, but you're sitting there going, no, man, fuck you, I'm good. Take the time, throw a glyph of warding down, and uh, and then you're laughing. If, if, for example, there's also, you can set it for traps and other things, but if you know that you're going to be defending this position and you have an hour of prep time, you can put down a, a series of glyphs of warding if you get, get a bunch of different people doing it all at once to fortify the tower around you with healing spells for archers maybe that are above shooting down. There are so many uses of this. Right, and I'm not going to go through all of it. If you want to get into well, all the offensive stuff, then you can get into it. A creative player with glyph of warding is 
But it doesn't have to be in a location either. You can put it on an object. You can put it on a book and carry it with you. Yeah, you can put it, you can put it on your on your shield on the inside of a sh- of your, the fighter's shield, right? Yeah. So all he does is hit the shield, and now he has a floating shield, or he has some other ability, right? Like there's- yeah, bam, mage armor, right? Yeah. Um, but but this, like, I like this. I, I like it a lot. The uh, the only thing, is, and you can set conditions for it too, right? Now, when you do this, does this take that spell slot from you permanently? No. No, no, no. The duration of this is until dispelled or triggered. Which means you cast it. It takes an hour to cast. And oh, this my last word. Round. This is what I'm saying. This is what I, I'm saying. Yeah. My ne- I mentioned it earlier in this episode. My next character is an abjuration wizard. There you go. And, and he's got this. And he's just got, like, several books that he hangs off of him. And he's like, oh, we're in a fight now. Well, one second while I pull up my fight book. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to hit this glyph. And magic missiles are going to fly off of it. Why? Because I had two weeks worth of lead time to this, and I just started dumping spells into books. I would be, as a DM, I would be very specific about this one, it will cast Magic Missile at the nearest Goblin. This one will cast Magic Missile at the nearest Cobalt. So you can use all the prep time you want and put all of your low-level spells you didn't use, like all your spell slots you didn't use, into your spell book for these glyphs and whatnot, but... I'm going to ask you to have very specific triggers for them, very specific outcomes of them, because it is just, it casts. Yeah. What if the spell, uh, now I, I'm reading it here. If the spell requires concentration, yep. you don't have to concentrate it on anymore. No, because you concentrated during the spell. Which means you could walk around and you have a spiritual weapon glyph. Yeah. For some somehow if you get the spiritual weapon. Um, yep. Spiritual weapon glyph, you hit it. Now you can have two spiritual weapons flying across the field. Yes, this is insane is what I'm saying. I love this spell. And this, nobody uses it. There right? are not a lot of... In 5th edition, one thing I've noticed is lacking is scroll creation. This is your scroll creation. It's just a spell itself now. Yep. Yeah. So um, I like it. And also you can do explosive runes with it. And explosive runes are always fun to be like, hey, barbarian, read this for a downtime joke. Right. Like... For downtime joke, fuck off. <laughs> All right, what's next? What do we have? Next we have... Uh, it, this is very, very, very similar. Um, yeah. And, but I like it because it's even more go fuck yourself. Yeah, right? It really is. And, and I absolutely love putting this on my, my enemy NPCs, my big bad evil guy. I have a character who has used this in our current campaign. All right, we'll tell yeah. people. So this is Contingency. Um, it is a sixth level evocation spell. Which, that's a weird school for this. Um, it's got a casting time of 10 minutes, and its range is yourself. Um, you need a small statuette of yourself, carved from ivory and decorated with gems of at least 1,500 gold as a material component, and the duration is only 10 days. Which is weird. Um, but when you hear what the spell could do, it, it you'll understand. Um, you choose a spell of 5th level or lower that you can cast... And it has a casting time of an action and can target yourself. You cast that spell called the Contingent Spell. And as part of the casting contingency, expending the spell slots for both. All right. So hold on. Because you just said a whole bunch of just jargon there. When you decide that you're going to choose Cure Wounds, for example, because this is about healing. Yeah. So you cast this contingency on a item. Or on yourself. And if 
and you set up a trigger that says, if I take 50 damage, then Cure Wounds triggers on me. But when I cast this, it uses up both spell slots. Yeah. This is if, you know, in a day or two days, you know you're going to be going and doing this offensive fight. You go and you set up a bunch of contingencies. One of my favorite uses of this is Death Ward. You yeah. hit yourself with a uh, contingency for Death Ward so that you have Death Ward for the next 10 days. Yeah, and that's what it's for. But when you cast it, it it takes both the spell slot for contingency and the spell slot for death ward. Yeah, right? and then you go and sleep. And, then you, and you get sleep. those spell slots back, and then you're good. Right, but there that means that there is going to be a finite number of times that you can do this, right? And it's limited on um, contingency, that spell yeah, slot. Yeah, right? it's, it's, it, it's dependent on how many sixth-level spell slots you get exactly. per day. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, at 20th level, you're getting three of them a day. Yeah. I think three yeah. or four. So at 20th level, you're only doing three or four of these a day. It's going to hit a big thing. And it's only a fifth level or lower other spells that you're hitting on yourself. So um, this one, you hit yourself with the cure wounds. And if you, you said a thing, if I drop below this amount of hit points, cure wounds activates. Yeah. Um, it, now, again, it says spell, right? Not a cantrip. And they're very clear in 5th edition that spells and cantrips are two very different things. Yeah. So what's interesting to note here is that this is about spells only. It's not cantrips. You cannot put Spare the Dying on this. 5th edition is very, very, very specific about the fact that cantrips are not spells. And whenever you see something that says, like a spell effect or a spell save or anything like that as far as like shield or yep. or magic uh, or uh, mage armor or whatnot, if it says the word spell in it in the description you need to be very specific about the fact that this does not include cantrips so um i i like this but you you can't just load up a whole shit ton of shillelaghs right? yeah so um this is this could be super powerful there's not a whole lot of big heals um by what is that third? fifth level oh fifth level never mind yep crazy you're just reanimating dead whenever the fuck you want right yep. like you you cast it on yourself you can cast Resurrection on yourself. Resurrection? Base level Resurrection as a contingency is a fifth level spell. Good freaking lord. So this is a thing. Remember I said that Vampiric Touch requires you to be conscious? Sorry, Resurrection's uh, seventh. You could cast Raise Dead on yourself. Raise Dead, yeah. But remember I said uh, Vampiric Touch required you to have you had to be conscious because you have to cast the spell in order to gain the benefit of leeching that, right? Yeah. Now you don't have to do that. You've cast contingency upon yourself. So when you drop to zero, you just suck the life from the nearest son of a bitch, right? Yep. The guy that knocked you down. Yep. So um, I think that's that's a lot. I love of fun. it. Yeah, it's 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 lots of fun. It's a lot of paperwork, a lot of stuff to manage, and this is the same with glyph of warding. You got to be in active communication with your DM if you are choosing to go with this about the contingencies you have in place. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, I set this contingency up before when it's trigger would active. That's not okay, man. You got to talk to your DM beforehand and make sure they know. Yeah. Okay. Now. And DMs, don't be the dick that, like, I know what the trigger is, so I'm going to very specifically not do that thing. No. If your players are being creative, reward them for being creative. Exactly. Yeah. And contingency is a creative spell. Yeah. Right. Um, this is going to work really well with, like, augury. Where you're like you can figure out kind of the future and yeah. is this a good idea or a bad idea? And I'm with you. So what else we got here, Adam? We have two left. Two and, left. And if you don't mind, Dan, I would like to discuss both of them. I would like to Well, fine, fuck you then. No, because you want me to leave? The first one is Wish. 
Wish is a ninth level conjuration. It's infamous because it takes one action you cast on yourself. It's only verbal, and you do whatever you want. Fifth edition is fairly limiting. In Wish, it's not as overpowered as it has been in previous editions because it's specific with with kind of what you can do and then talk to your DM about doing similar level things. You are not rewriting all of human history with Wish. No. You can create 25,000 gold pieces of value of a non-magical item. Specifically non-magical, right? Um, the one that uh, pertains to hit points is you get 20 creatures you can see to regain all their hit points. So as long as you can see them. Jeez. Yep. And you end all effects on them described in the Greater Restoration spell. Just oh, nice. Which right? is everything, including um, including petrification. Yeah. Um, you grant up to 10 creatures you can see immunity to a single spell or other magical effect for 8 hours. For instance, you can make yourself and all your companions immune to a Lich's life drain attack. Which means you can make people immune to being turned to undead as well. For life? Uh, for 8 hours. Okay. Right. Um, and you can undo a single recent event by forcing a reroll of any roll made within the last round. Which means if someone fails a death save... I don't know why you wouldn't just heal them. But for if for whatever yeah. reason... Well, no. It's like, if the wizard gets off that teleport or something, you can make them reroll the chance dice. Or right, but I'm talking specifically for healing. Specifically for, yep, for bringing you back. You. If they fail their final death save, and for some reason you're in an anti-life magic field where healing potions don't work, Wish can still make them re-roll that save, right? Yeah, fair enough. There's more shit that you can do. Um, there's... And, and it's really up to the DM's discretion, but this is, this is max kerfuckery, right? I, I would let you regrow not just limbs, but like your head comes back. You know, you get your head blown off, your yep. head comes back, right? It's a ninth level spell. Like, honestly, you're, you're hitting your most powerful ability to do this. It's gotta, it's gotta have some oomph to it. It does. Yeah. And so, look, Wish pisses me off, but I also understand that it is, it, it's not as, as detrimental. It's, it's not as game breaking as it has been. Yeah, it's far more limited. Uh, it's, it's very much like a limited wish now. Right? Yeah. Like, uh, back in 3 5, there was, was limited li- wish no, and wish. Was it limited or was it lesser? I, I'm pretty sure it was limited. Okay. Um, and I, I find that 5th edition has done wish far different than uh, 3 5. You good? Okay. All right. So, what's this last one here, Adam? We're talking about mass polymorph, okay? What's interesting here is the wording because it's not like uh, true polymorph or polymorph. The way that it works for true polymorph and polymorph is, and I'm going to read that out, uh, the spell transforms a creature you can see within range into a new form, blah, blah, blah. It has no effect on uh, shape changer or a creature with zero hit points. Uh, when you get transformed, you get uh, the hit points of the new creature, right? And then when you get knocked down from that, you... You revert to your original hit points. Okay. So when you already have hit points, this is I like temporary hit points in sure. your new yep. form. But when you're already dying, when you're already making death saves, this doesn't bring you back. Mass polymorph does. It really? does not have that that uh, limitation that qualifier upon it, on it. Right. True polymorph does, where you permanently turn some someone in. It cannot affect a creature with zero hit points. Mass polymorph can. And so uh, what happens? Does it specifically mention that it can, or does it just not mention that it can't? It just can't? does not mention. I don't know, man. I, I would feel like because no. it's in a different book, 
It's in a different release that might just be something they forgot to put in. No. It's still polymorph. It, it says you transform up to 10 creatures of your choice that you can see. An unwilling target must succeed on a wisdom save, and an unwilling shape changer automatically succeeds on the save. Um, and then it just gets right into it. It's they they took that paragraph and it's the same paragraph ported over. Huh. That they did not include that bit. Right? If a target reverts to its normal form when it has no more temporary hit points. Uh, or a target reverts to its normal uh, form when it has no more temporary hit points or it dies. So therefore, it's all of a sudden um, uh, back to making death saves. Yep. But if you have failed two death saves and I have a ninth level, I have mass polymorph, for whatever reason, bam, you're a frog, get my backpack. We're going to get you to the temple. Right? We're going to get you... We're going to go find 25,000 gold pieces, right? Or or the 300 gold pieces worth of diamond, uh, diamonds or whatever it is so that we can revivify you in a moment, okay? This is... It's going to keep you from dying. Hmm. And it's weird. It's weird that it wasn't in there. What's the... And, and it's otherwise functions identical as Polymorph. Yeah, you just do it to more people. You, up so, to 10 creatures. So it's a ninth the, level spell. What's the CR that you could do with it? Um, assume a beast form of your choice. Uh, the challenge rating is equal to or less than the targets, uh, or half the targets level if the target doesn't have a challenge rating. So, so your your level, it if it's half is yeah. half half your level. So half your level. So so if, a horse is goes to a regular like a anything up to a horse's CR rating. Yeah. But because players have character levels and not CR, yeah. it's so, half level. So if you are, it's a ninth level spell, so you are minimum 18th level casting this thing, 17th level casting this thing. Right, so everybody else around you, 17th level as well. Assuming we round down, you can turn anybody into a 8th level beast, specifically beast. Specifically beast, but... That's a dinosaur. That's a dinosaur. Yeah. You're like, all right, well, uh, James the Barbarian is unconscious, but now he's a T-Rex. So you're welcome, James. Yeah. And right? And also Lily and Yeah, Ron everyone's a T-Rex. Hermione, everyone's a T-Rex. So Yeah. So I just go to Harry Potter. Yes, I did. And you didn't pick Harry? Fuck no, off, Harry's man. the one casting the spell. Oh, is that what this is yeah. in your head? Yeah. I hate your head. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's the most insulting thing. And there's been a lot of insulting things you've said to me. That might be the most insulting thing you've ever said to me. Uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with it. And, <laughs> anyway, I, I like this as being just a weird thing that's going to make your DM go, wait, what? And then like pull out their, their sanitizer and yeah, start flipping. Yeah. This is going to be the one time we tell a player, don't talk to your DM on this one. Surprise them. It'll be fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I like this. That's really fucky. But anyway, that is how you stave off Death. Character dies, soul gone, never coming back, death. These are all of the different ways to do it. I think we covered like 40 freaking spells. Oh, uh, this, at least. This is a long episode, but I mean, obviously this is why we didn't put it in the regular episode. But when you are looking for other ways, other creative ways to get healing yeah. or to, to stop death, you don't have to rely on Spare the Dying, Cure Wounds, and Revivify. Those are the three that everyone thinks about. There's more out there, and these are your options. Yeah. And and try to have, as we've always said in the podcast and, and in previous episodes as well, really try to inject a little bit of your own creativity, your own logic into these spells as well. Um, if things like Revivify annoy you like they do Adam, have 
other effects. Look into other sources to really boost it and, and modify these things as you will so they fit within your campaign world. Um, I am 100% a fan of, yeah, if you're casting Revival on someone, they're coming back with that negative four and they got to work through it. Yeah, I mean, look, we could talk about homebrew and healing spells all, all that we want and the different takes on it. And I think that that's a good uh, topic for another um, episode in the future. Yeah. But uh, this episode has gone really long. Yeah, that's. <laughs> uh, and I just want to encourage uh, people to think outside the box. Just because you're a, a druid or a bard, there's some sorcerer stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And when they when someone turns to you and says, hey, you know what? We don't have a healer in the party. You can look at them and say, wait until I hit fifth level. Right? There are opportunities in there. Yeah. Yeah. Wait until I can just, uh, I'll, I will summon a flying snake creature. Mm-hmm. And then and then we will. Yeah. And this is also above features and stuff like that, which we could have also taken into account. But then it would be a seven hour episode. Right. So. Um, so anyway, I just want everyone to, to uh, think about healing and death a little bit differently. When... I say in the uh, in episode 37 that 5th edition is the player's game and not the DM's, that it is damn near impossible to die. This is what I mean. Look at those options. There's some like 280 some odd spells that exist currently in 5th edition, and we just pulled out 40, and that's one-seventh of the spells. Help you stave off death. Yep. That's insane to me, right? So anyway, there we go. Um, this has been a special supplemental episode for, uh, the It's a Mimic podcast. Again, I've been Adam. You can reach me at, uh, Rusty Styrofoam and with me is Dan. Uh, you can reach me at Oscar underscore the underscore orc and, uh, you can reach both of us at it's a mimic.com or on Instagram at it's a mimic or at on Twitter at it's a mimic D or on Facebook at on the it's a mimic page. Uh, so let us know if there's anything else that we missed. Besides healing potions and class features, is there another spell out there that you've seen heal or protect someone from dying or to stave it off? What what else is out there that we missed? Because I scoured through every spell. <laughs> every spell and went hunting through these taking yeah. a look. So um, I'm wondering if there's anything else out there that we missed. Let us know in any comments, depending on which platform that you're uh, that you're listening to this on or the, go check us out in any of the places Dan just said. Yeah, for sure. So thanks very much. You know what I miss? What? I miss Terry. Why? I don't know, Stockholm Syndrome, I guess? It's just, I guess. It doesn't feel right, recording with I, I have been nicer to you in this episode, than I, and, I, and I hate your head, but Sorry. I've been nicer to you in this episode than I have been in any other episode ever. Should we go, un, like, let him go and unchain him from the basement? No, he's happy down there testing out your, oh, your furniture. That's, that's right. Yeah. He's going to be really mad when he finds out that we record an episode while he's tied to a be- uh, bed. I think that that is his dream. I think his dream is this podcast continuing to move on. And so maybe one day potentially monetizing for him while he is chained to a bed. Hmm. That is how he would pass his days. Well, I'm glad we we gave him this gift. Yeah. Shall we feed him tomorrow? Uh, 